Always see everything, the movie podcast where we rank, review, and riff on every single film in the Criterion Collection. I'm Anthony, and this is my co-host, C4621, call sign Raven. God, I love flying around in my armored core. Shooting I'm... guys with my guns. Sorry. Were you talking? I'm just thinking about flying around in my armored core and shooting guys with guns. On this very special episode, uh, that's not very special at all. Uh Sean and I are going to be covering uh, a bunch of movies uh, that we wanted bunch to cover. A bunch of fucking crap. <laughs> Who fucking cares? We didn't really like choose a theme this episode. We've got two Fellini movies. And so instead of going along with a theme, like maybe we uh, try to go into like class warfare like Fellini does, or uh, we try to talk about like, you know, surreal movies. We just like chose some movies we wanted to talk about. So the Fellini movies are uh, well, Knights I of think Cap- that. I think that on some level, uh, we did kind of end up with a theme. Oh, and that sure. This is a movie, capital M, all caps, movie week. Because we're doing two Federico Fellini ones, mm-hmm. which is he's, I mean, he's a fucking movie guy, you know? Right. Knights of he's Kibiria like one of the cab- and, and, and the ship sails on, yeah. Right. And then The Cameraman, which is like an early classic silent film. Also kind of about movies, because the guy shoots mm-hmm. movies. And then Irma Vep, which is about making movies. So this is a movie week. Yep. That's what makes it That's special true. and distinct true. from every other I mean, week. <laughs> Subtle and the, differences. And The Ship Sails On is also a low-key a movie about people making movies. I mean, we basically could have covered like yeah, any kind of movie, but you know. It does kind of sneak up on you at the end, but yeah. yeah, in, yeah. in a way that uh, just does not appeal to me. And uh, we'll get into that. Uh, but we first, certainly will. Uh, Sean, how did you feel about this week's movies? Because I, I mean, I really enjoyed all except for one of them. I very much felt like this was a nice breezy kind of week. Uh, lots to talk about here in terms of depth and everything, but also just entertaining movies that just yeah. are thoroughly engaging. Yeah, it was a really good one. I was a little bit surprised by how much you liked it. Mm. I think you got about it as much from the whole experience this week as I did. Sure counting you not really caring for in the ship sails on which mm. i thought was pretty all right i mean sure. i'm more of a fellini guy than you are for sure but he's not i wouldn't put him as one of my guys necessarily it's very much like chunking express and one car Y, where that wasn't my movie exactly it didn't gel with me 100 percent in the moment but it's like this is a this motherfucker is a god like he understands sure, sure. so intuitively like the moving image that it just you have to give it up I think there are some directors like that that I just envy. Like I envy the fact yeah. that that those guys are that talented with a camera, and then and then they make in the ship sails on with it. Like that's how you're going to use your talent or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought it was all right. Sure, sure. I, oh, but, but, wait, 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 I should, I should, I should stop crapping on its door because we got to get into. Yeah, I, I felt very similarly to you, but we got to get into. Our first movie today, which is not in the ship sails on, it is Knights of Kiberia. Uh, would so, I would like? To, oh, yeah. I was going to oh. read the. I was going to read the premise, or I was going to read the 
Mr. Criterion. Uh, I was just going to say some stupid shit about how I had only heard this title spoken for a while. So I thought it was like K Knights of Kiberia and it was going to be like Knights in Armor. <laughs> and I was like, that's going to be fucking badass. And it was badass, but for different reasons. The only re- way I'd heard of Knights of Kiberia before was just Criterion. So I, I just associated it with the cover. So I, I knew what was coming, but that is really funny. The idea that like, you know, we're in for a Terry Gilliam kind of time. Yeah, you know, I could see Fellini doing like a fantastical kind of, ter- yeah, like Terry Gill- Gilliam style, but like Italian. It would, it would be like a seventh seal. It would be like this like artistic, no, but you know, seventh seal is too would direct. It? it would have to be like it breaking would be down. Yeah, it would. You know what? You're right. Never mind. It would be like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It'd be like at oh, the yeah, end sure. they reveal that they're like running. They're, they're that like the cops came and are gonna arrest everyone for making this movie. <laughs> I mean, that's why I want to see the the Pasolini. I mean, not that he's very similar at all whatsoever to Fellini, other than both being Italian. But I want to see his uh, Canterbury Tales mm. adaptation that's coming a little bit down the road because I like anybody. I like anybody doing like a classic medieval fantasy adjacent movie, you know, like Brisson did Lancelot du Lac, which is, um, which is a Brisson movie, but you know, it's, it's always cool to have, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, challenge yourself a little bit, make a movie about knights in armor. Let's see how you do. Have you ever seen Knight Riders starring Ed Harris? No. And Tom Savini, and it's a it's a it's a the George Romero Tom movie. Uh, oh, I have well, no I idea. Guess that makes sense. No, yeah, uh, he's like Tom Savini is the um is the guy who did the makeup for the Dead movies, and he's like a legendary oh. effects guy. I think. I assume it's I assume it's him then because it's George Romero. It Let is, me say. It uh, is, tell me about it while I look that up to make sure we're not completely capping here. Right, right. It could be, I mean, it would be really weird if George Romero just knew two Tom Savini's, but Knight Riders <laughs> rules because it is, it's one of Romero's best movies uh, because it is a movie about knights, but they're knights at a Renaissance fair. And instead of riding uh. horses, they ride uh, motorcycles and they have a society based around like knighthood. Like they have a king and they have like, uh, you know, like a round table kind of thing. And they have decided that they're like a society apart from other societies. But like to the public, they're just like guys who ride around on motorcycles and like joust for their entertainment while they buy like, uh, I don't know. What do you buy at a Renaissance fair? Like <laughs> chicken leg. Yeah. Chicken legs. Exactly. D&D and- modules. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're going to buy D&D modules. Well, okay, the real answer is beer. (laughs) That is the actual answer. I haven't been to a Renaissance Fair since I was a kid. Like, really, really young. It does not seem like my thing. Any environment where the first thing you'll hear about it is how horny it is, is like, (laughs) I don't know if that's quite for me. Yeah, that's way more for me. Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, No, but Knight Riders is really, it rules because it's basically like, it's not surreal fantasy because it's not like doing any of that like stuff where it's, it's like, oh, grounded. whatever it's, no, but it's not grounded. It's like ridiculous. Like the premise is that people would set up a society where they're like, oh, this is our king and he can be dethroned if he like loses in a jousting match on motorcycles. <laughs> like it rules. It's As awesome. You right. But it, 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 it like, it, so it's not like 
grounded at all but like it takes place in the real like quote the real world right they have they no but there's a guy who's like the magician and he's like they're merlin i think he's actually called merlin and he's like the doctor and he just takes care of all of them it i don't know i really highly recommend it to you because it's a great approach to like doing like that like the director is going to has one fantasy movie in him and he's going to say everything he wants to say about like the fantasy world of knights and medieval times in this one movie. And, uh, but it's also just so stinking weird because it takes place in modern times. Um, it's the best version of that. That does sound cool. I I definitely going to give it a try, but all of that is to say, uh, Knights of Kabiri has nothing to do with that. It's completely Uh, wrong form of Knights. Right. But I said, (laughs) So, yep, just not relevant whatsoever. Knights, what is Knights of Kiberia? Well, I'll tell you. In the fifth of their immortal collaborators, Federico Fellini and the exquisitely expressive Giulietta. Giulietta. We went over this. It's just Giulietta? Yeah, I, can't I think so. Through the, there's an I in the middle of it. Yeah, it was like Giuseppe. Giulietta Messina completed the creation of one of the most indelible characters in all of cinema, Kabiria, an irrepressible, fiercely independent sex worker who, as she moves through the sea of Rome's humanity, through adversity and heartbreak, must rely on herself and her own indomitable spirit to stay standing. Winner of the Best Actress Prize at Cannes for Messina and the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Oh, so it must be good if it's the best foreign language film of this year. Knights of Kiberia brought the early neorealist influence phase of Fellini's career to a transcendent close with its sublimely heartbreaking yet hopeful final image, which embodies perhaps more than any other in the director's body of work, the blend of the bitter and the sweet that defined his vision of the world. Uh, Whenever they bring up Oscars, I'm always like, okay, that's a little like, whatever. They're, they're, whatever you no gotta try to sell below tickets. them because a lot of bullshit has won at oscar but it especially is when they bring up the foreign language film oscar i'm like okay this is so bull- like what are you talking about like oh it won the best foreign language film oscar yeah, right, the, be- yeah. the best foreign language film oscar is like this is the film that made it to america this this year you know like it's the one they put up for us to look at right right it it feel i I love Oscars and I think they get a little bit of unjust hate sometimes. Not that they don't get it wrong every single year, but like they, they, they love the glitz, the glamour, the red carpet. Right. Yeah. And it's cool. They're doing their best sometimes. Like I, I genuinely, I I think that, that in general, like it, it is as democratic of a system as they're going to get, you know, and Mm. um, it's not going to be that it's, it's democracy doing its darndest you know and uh so i think that i if you are like yes academy award winning actor jack nicholson like i'm like yes sure give him the prestige best foreign language film is just bs it's just garbage it's not it, it, the the best it can say not paying is that attention it, to it right the best you can say is just like it maybe introduces a couple people who wouldn't have to foreign language films a little bit maybe but not mm. by much. It really feel. It, I think that that's the most garbage category of all of them, for sure. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not bad mm-hmm. to win it, but like, sure. it's not. Man, 
I didn't it's, really have anything to say because you said everything. <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let it's you on off par. easy with an I agree. It's on par with the Flash winning like best movie moment or whatever for me at the Oscars. Did you hear about Did that? Did it? That, oh, oh, not, well, sorry, okay, not, not the not. Flash. Uh, the Justice League. Justice League. The Zack Snyder. Okay, so a couple years ago. No, this is interesting. I, I we I, I I'm gonna tell you this is interesting. Sure, a couple yeah, of years I ago, the Oscars were trying to appeal to like younger people and trying to get them to understand, no, we're not elitist. elitist. We, we like to acknowledge all movies that come out. And so they did two Twitter voted uh, Oscars, honorary Oscars to honor the, <laughs> and they were determined by Twitter. terrible idea. I love One of it. them was a uh, best populist movie, which was okay. just a, garbage category i don't even remember what won. it was best populist movie it was just it was a you know it was a rapid it was a garbage fire uh gosh it was a garbage fire of a category it did it oh it was called oh it wasn't even called best populist it was fan favorite movie of the year and most awesomest movie right people by the fans people really did enjoy it i think it went to did it go to the girl boss cinderella it was like it was a it was a tough year i can't even find it i literally looked up fan favorite movies but it was like you know it was just gonna be the it was just going to be like whatever was the most people were the most active on, on Twitter about the other right. one they gave out was the most, Oh, it was army of the dead. It was Zack Snyder's army of the dead one. And they gave it to him because Zack Snyder, that was the year that Zack Snyder's justice league came out, but they disqualified Zack Snyder's justice league because they were like, no, that's just a re-release of an old film. Mm-hmm. They just didn't count it. They were like, it doesn't qualify for Oscars. It doesn't qualify for a very prestigious fan favorite movie Oscar. And so in, they also had another category that year that was best movie moment. Now, the thing about best movie moment is that transcended all of cinema that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't. They were oh, having... it's every movie. <laughs> so for the for the fan favorite movie, it was of the year. It was, you know, so you know, populist movies. I, I thought it was the girl boss. Cinderella. apparently that got like number three. Um, but for fan f- for, for best movie moment, it was supposed to go across all of movies that have ever existed of all time. So number five was like the matrix, like Neo, like just like beating Mr. Smith or uh, whatever. Agent Mr. Smith. Smith. Mr. Perfect. Smith. You got right? it. You got I am it going one. so off the rails this episode. Agent Smith, right? But number one went to the Justice League, the Snyder Cut, Flash enters the Speed Force. The moment where Flash enters the Speed Force, which isn't really clear from watching it that he enters the Speed Force, but he sure does run and there's lightning around it. Yes. So, you know, you must, I guess it's the Speed Force. But uh, that got voted on because it was their way of being like, well, we can vote this in, even though we can't vote it for best fan favorite film or whatever. And even that went to Zack Snyder anyway. So um, <laughs> I forget what the original point was. Oh, that like those like that's the level of Oscar that I consider like best foreign language right. film. It's like it's not great it's it may as well be determined by a bunch of twitter bots like reposting like Zack snyder is the best Zack snyder rules hashtag you know justice league or whatever over and over again 
Man, that um, Snyder Cut thing. People got so fucking excited about it. How empty is our culture and our lives that people were so fucking up in arms about that thing? And then it came out <laughs> and we saw what it was all about. <laughs> and it was I watched like, it. I, I did too. Whatever. It was like a longer, slightly better Justice League. <laughs> like <laughs> Who would have fucking thought? <laughs> like and crazy. With, with like some fan servicey moments. Like it was exactly what you kind what I kind of expected it to be. It wasn't like I don't know. It was it didn't bring back Jesus. It didn't it, it also didn't like mop the floor with crap. It was like okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so, laughing uh, at the idea that it was so important to people. <laughs> man, we really need to fucking. I don't know what it is. Like, maybe we need to consolidate, like, union activity, or we need to fucking. Maybe we need to fucking, like, be fascist. Just cut to it straight. <laughs> Give people some fucking purpose in life. Because you know what? It's all these fucking young, dumb motherfucking men with the persona profile pictures sure who are doing this shit persona you think they've fucking... seen persona you think these people have seen the movie i was referring to the video game persona oh i've never seen or i don't know what the video game persona is so but sure, i wouldn't okay. expect don't worry about it don't worry about it at all but <laughs> okay. you've listen you've seen it you're is it familiar like an with it through game? profile is that pictures like the idea? i mean they like it I mean, mostly because it's a lot of the characters are like teenagers that you can sexualize. That's a big part of it oh, for them. Oh, lovely! Um, but you know, yeah, I'm seeing here. Uh, that sound. This looks terrible. This doesn't look good. No, Persona is oh. awesome. Oh, it's got it's just the, that racist guys also like it. It's the Joker guy from yeah. Smash. <laughs> Yeah, and from <laughs> racist guys' profile pictures. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Listen, I, get you. I love Persona. I'm just saying. <laughs> We need to clean sure. up our act as a civilization. That's right. And uh, clean up our act on this podcast. Wait, wait, but no, no, wait, wait. I got to say one more thing. Come on. Yeah, one more thing. There's the thing is that I, I genuinely don't think those people are movie fans. That's what drives me nuts is like it's no. t- it, they are they're perpetrating as someone who likes the Oscars. And genuinely, that tends to be not a great opinion. Like no one likes the Oscars. People kind of no. like tolerate the oscars or like like it but like keep it to themselves you know or like as someone... it's, it's freaking woke <laughs> well okay that's the other side of things like sure, i don't yeah. think any of these people care about the oscars they just care about being like seen you know what i mean mm-hmm. and being legitimized I... yeah right and i just i don't care like oh best movie moment of all time is the flash entering the speed force i don't think if they believe, I think that either they haven't seen movies or they just like don't believe that they want, they are more interested in exactly what you're saying, like being a part of a thing, you know, which is kind of what this podcast is. <laughs> that being said, I would watch the shit. This is just my personality. I would sure. watch the shit out of a compilation of like movie moments like that. Sure. Things that aren't really, like, that good or artistically valid, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of random, disconnected, quote-unquote, awesome images. Ugh, then that, you need with, to like, check out my TikTok feed. Hell music. 
bro. Oh, two steps. Oh my gosh, two steps from hell. That's such a good reference. That's totally true. Every had... single one has to score. Like just Leonidas throwing a javelin in slow motion. Cut to the flat, the flash, the flat, the flash, the flash. doing the speed force. Yeah. Cut to Neo, the Matrix shooting a million. So like just Spider Man, all three of them going together. Andrew Garfield crying because his girlfriend's dead. Just like, six it... and a half hour compilations of that. That's my version of heaven. Like, give me that and like a Modelo, a Modelo that, really that infinitely refills itself, and I will never ever <laughs> ever. That... Yeah, like that's that's my vision of heaven. Like, people are like, well, the problem with eternity is that nothing can ever be, you know, great in perpetuity. Eventually, mm-hmm. all things have to come to an end. You know, there's it would it would just be torture at some point. Sure, like, sure. No, 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 just that move, that thing, six and a half hours, doesn't even have to be that long, just that on loop, and yeah, the infinite Modelo, I don't even know if it has to be Modelo, like any kind of beer, or it's soda, or it's water. Sean, I really, know- it's just the video. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of the main thing you, for heaven for me. I know that we're on a, we're 20 minutes in and we haven't talked about our first movie, but have you seen The Good Place? Uh, I watched the first few episodes, it wasn't really for me. Uh, it's a good show, amazing, one of the best in television, and I don't love television, but uh, we don't talk we don't talk television on this podcast. But if you no. had theoretically seen The Good time. Place, they have a thing where they, they visit the medium place, where they bring one person who uh, donated a bunch of money to cancer right before they, like, died of an overdose or something, and, like, it perfectly canceled out, so they have, like the most medium amount of points or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, in like their scoring system of who's the good people and who are the bad people or whatever. And so they get their own personal medium place where they get like a fridge with beer, but the beer is like room temperature. Yeah. It's fine. I always picture that as Modelo. (laughs) I always think (laughs) they don't specify what kind of beer it is. I always think it's Modelo because like, it's gotta be, sort of just okay <laughs> i've never had a Modelo that wasn't cold that's true There's i something about my life but by itself Modelo is like but i've had cold Modelo. it's like fine <laughs> Modelo never is pretty good though maybe i'm just more of a dark beer guy no i like light beer too listen sure. i just like i was about to say i just like beer but i don't <laughs> even know if that's true sure i think beer is all right i like water too i kind of like soda Milk? I don't know. I'm just kind of what, what milk. You, what's too. your opinion on milk? Milk? Well, it's not bad. Sure, sure. I, I don't I, have strong opinions on any food. That's the cr- worst you'll ever get me to say about any food is that it's just not for me. That's very you. I mean, we talk about these movies, and most of, I mean, sometimes you have like really like genuinely like inflammatory like this movie's bad opinions. Right. But but like. And I know we're covering like some of the all-time greats of cinema or whatever, but most of the time, the most you can muster in hatred for a movie is like, not my thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, and that's but that's just the kind of person I am. Where movies, which are ostensibly a big part of my life, or like food or whatever, which people love getting up in arms about, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. But then I will have like a 15 minute fucking rant i'll go on about how somebody was weird at the grocery store that's just <laughs> you know it's just my personality it's just sure. who i am i'm sure. working with what god gave me however <laughs> fucking little that is fair enough last thing what talk a... about the movie yes oh, no. i promise last, last thing. thing what's your favorite beverage then like do my you favorite beverage yeah a- a- alcoholic non-alcoholic cold hot whatever don't choose water 
anything else on you can choose. I'm not going to choose water. I wouldn't be one of those guys. I know that would like, drive I, me insane. So I just needed to make sure that you didn't do that. So that I, mean, I didn't if we're like, just go talking, on a rant about choosing water. If it can be like a pure, like here's, you know, occasionally I have this as a treat, mm. probably like a cream soda. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's lovely. It's nostalgic. It tastes good as fuck. That's maybe your best opinion of all time. I'm, and you I'm, know what? I don't even love cream soda, but like that's a great opinion. It's just a classically good opinion. It's one of the opinions <laughs> that I'm most proud of. <laughs> um, but see, here's the nice thing about cream soda is that if it's lukewarm, if it's a little bit warm, if it's been sitting out in the sun, it's oh, still good. Totally. As opposed to root beer. Root beer gets all like thin, you know, like it doesn't feel the same when it, going in cream soda out in the sun nice and good. thick nice and bubbly yeah foamy yeah the suds ooh, the suds taste good oh well oh Fuck. well i'm yeah a cream soda pretty good uh knights of Caperia. so this movie i my opinion is kind of up in the air right now because mm. i think there's a lot of great things about it there's a lot of really really great things about it interesting but i don't like what it did to me i don't like the way that it that it it made you feel fucking charlie brown footballed me at the last moment and i know like listen we're supposed to ostensibly (laughs) be a film analysis or whatever fucking podcast sure we're a humor we're a comedy film analysis podcast that's our those are the two branches of us but i feel like my the critical aspect of my brain is kind of failing here because I'm just like the stuff that happened in the universe of the movie made me so sad sure. that I feel bad about the movie. You know, I have a very visceral response mm. to it in that way where kind of the formalist and the technical and the thematic aspects of it kind of fall by the wayside for me. Cause like, what the fuck? That's... Why did that, why did that have to happen to her like that, that way? That's interesting. So it's damn so... shame. This has not come out yet, but there is an episode. We won't spoil what the movie is. Year, you know, weeks from now that will come out. That is a, uh, we talk about a horror movie that you really like and that I really like. And we both really liked it. And uh, it was your pick. And I felt that way about that movie, which was, that movie is unsettling. (laughs) I don't like watching it. I find it unpleasant and i'm not like uh, sitting here being like even and i'm not even trying to like save face here or something like i i I, i'm not trying to say like oh it was too scary for me i did not like but like a little bit like it was i did not enjoy the 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 process of watching it because i felt like horrified right you feel like you're kind of failing it by watching it because your immediate visceral emotional reaction was kind of overwhelmingly negative but in a way that the movie wanted me to be right so it's hard to square in that way yeah that's that's kind of the question that i'm asking myself here is is it okay if we kind of skip to the ending and then go from there sure uh spoilers for knights of kiberia please watch this movie i think it is very good and i think that a lot of people will be able to like pick it up it's not like uh, a really tough watch honestly it's pretty good yeah i mean just to say off the jump barring spoilers or whatever this is based around one of the most endearing and complete performances that it, we've it, seen so far and that i've in ever cinema seen. yeah in maybe yeah, cinema easily. in movies yeah i would not flinch for a second saying that just 
you're but it i flinched it, it makes i did it, flinch yep yeah i i don't want to again this is the spoiler free you know whatever fuck it we're going the All right, warning spoilers. Has been done. here we go boom i it's not that it's too sad because obviously you know i can't just say like it's too sad i don't like it because nothing's Nothing's ever too much of one thing. It's the one thing in the wrong way or by the wrong methods. But it's... I I don't know if the final result of it, which is to have this movie that seems to be gesturing towards this sort of... Not redemption, but this this ultimate kind of satisfaction or catharsis that it's building towards. And the whole movie, it, up until you know the last segment, when I, I think I only really put it together that something was off when they were in the restaurant. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, something's wrong here. I was fully convinced up until that point, like, oh, they're going to live happily ever after because I wanted it to be true so badly. Mm-hmm. And then by that point, I was like, okay, surely they're going to resolve it, though. It's all going to be fine, right? I did not fucking expect the exact same gut punch in the exact same way so blatantly. And that that's kind of the cornerstone of what I think are my issues with it, because I might love this ending. I might think it's perfect, but again, I have that immediate viscerally negative reaction. And I sort of feel like, I don't know if it's fully justified Mm -hmm. in the sense that we don't, I don't think we have a really great explanation or motivation both in universe from the character of, um, Oscar. Oh, Oscar. Oscar, yeah. I don't know if we really understand or have the tools to understand why Oscar would do this, other than just he wanted the money. But right, I, which is I, a weird... It's also because it, he feels like it's seems not so enough. genuine. Yeah, he doesn't ever show his cards as being like a bad person. Ever. He doesn't seem... Yeah. I mean, I know that's kind of the point, is that he's not supposed to... Yeah, like, there, it doesn't... You're right, but it's it's the it's the mm, kind of thing weird. that you should look at in retrospect and be like, well, the warning signs were there the whole time, and like I was paying attention. I don't really think that they were. I you know. Do you, I wonder if that's very, 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 very much by design, as if they're trying to say we're giving you nothing. You are supposed to be as pulled apart by this as kabiria is you know we're supposed because you're to have... seeing it from her perspective yes and she doesn't to... see anything wrong with him she's trusting with him and and there's no warning signs there's just nothing that you're supposed to even suspect there's nothing i i mean i wonder if that's it is just we're not supposed to see it because she doesn't see it see it so why would we have uh an inkling of it. And so when he does start I, acting shifty, it does come out of nowhere because it comes out of nowhere for her. You know, I, I think that that makes sense on paper, but my issue mm-hmm. with that would just be that we're introduced to Kabiria and we understand her as being someone who wants to be very cynical, very jaded. She's extremely guarded. She's constantly looking for everything, you know, for, for reasons that the world is going to fuck her over. So I don't, right. I, I feel like, given that perspective, with her suspicion, we should under you know we should see some indication there, and it, it feels kind of cheap in that way because this one thing falls through the cracks for whatever reason, and you could argue, and I think that this would be the best argument, at least in my mind, for that is that she's not nearly as cynical as jaded as she kind of wants to be. 
and that ultimately her guard is always down Mm. but i don't know that's it's a that is that that house is kind of built on shaky ground for me and ultimately it's it seems like just sort of a cheap gut punch for the sake of it which Mm. makes the ultimate ending which i interpret to be one of like hope and perseverance by intent that kind of cheapens that aspect for me i what do you think I agree a little bit. I think that what... uh, So one of the things that helped me along is that in the first five minutes of this movie, I realized that I had seen an adaptation of this movie. I've seen the movie Sweet Charity, which is based on a play, and almost beat for beat with some huge exceptions, uh, particularly the way the, the, the format of the ending is very different because in in sweet charity he leaves her because he discovers what like oh my goodness she's a i mean in sweet charity she's like a excuse me she's a dancer but like it's code for like prostitute you know right right but they he finds that out and he's like i can't stand you dancing with other guys like Mm -hmm. oh i can't believe you Dance you're doing the charleston out there yeah, yeah exactly right you, you fucking whore uh, how sweet, dare you click your heels sweet charity is famously it's a bob fossey movie we're gonna cover a bob fossey movie eventually but it's famously a it's the musical where hey big spender comes from and it's uh and they really play into like no no, no she's a dancer wink wink mm. nudge nudge to a point where it's like kind of comedic like you're like right. oh come on come on <laughs> we all get it um right. but the but what changes there is that he discovers her past and is like that's why very clearly why it's turned around so i was guided through the plot a little bit this watching watching this movie because five minutes in i immediately knew basically the the broad strokes of what was going to happen although in this movie they don't give you a reason they don't tell you that oh well he discovers that she that she's a sex worker and so oh man he's he's gonna betray her or whatever i it, i guess so the reason i was sold just more on was it the what was the money ultimately i think right oh sure it was the money for sure it doesn't tell you whether that is like his like his original plan when he first starts dating her or whether it's a thing that he decided on, like ha- like part way through their relationship, whether he like he was going right. to betray her. I actually, but I, I don't think it's a problem, only because they pull it off so effectively. <laughs> because it, it's when, very effective when she's standing there on the cliff, she immediately does get like, "Oh, you're going to push me off." and when she's back in that position she kind of immediately knows and that realization is devastating and the way that she has to deal with like him saying no i don't want to push you off like but i was gonna like you know like i'm not well now that you mention it maybe not right yeah now that you've pointed it out to me that's pretty terrible thing to do i guess but you gotta hand over your money otherwise i will yes definitely push you off like that Mm. is so well pulled off to me as a reveal as a character moment she you really genuinely think like kabiria is like this sweet not innocent person because she's not i one of the things that a lot of people praise this movie for is like she's not innocent she's not like it's not this isn't a movie about like, she's not uh, infantilized in any way oh 100 percent not correct that is correct uh 
she's she's not like especially that could get really easily into like she's this angel of beauty this i mean like uh like she the doesn't Ed Sheeran mean song, to right? be a prostitute yeah. yeah exactly she just has to because you know life is so hard on her no she's just she just is a prostitute that's just her job you know yeah and life is hard and so maybe she would be in a different career if life wasn't so hard but that's not the point you know like who knows right like right yeah it's not necessary i think that there is a little bit of reactionary moralism there sure at least you could read that or you could read the opposite like you could say there is kind of a suggestion in this movie that you know an independent woman making her own money is is kind of in danger in that way i think they oh i think you could also argue the opposite i think they're 100 saying that she's in danger i don't but i think they're not saying and that's why you shouldn't be a sex worker i think that they're 100 saying like it is a dangerous job being a sex worker but it is a dangerous job being like but it's the same way that like die hard is a movie about how it's a dangerous job being a cop or whatever you know like if that's not the point sure yeah of course it's dangerous that's right. we're not saying that you shouldn't do it or that it's bad or whatever i think that this movie is just saying like uh, and that could very easily be it like uh, i i you know, uh, a-, a team by Ed Sheeran is like this song where it's like about like this woman. She's like on the street, and oh man, she's an angel inside, but like she's in the, all this ugliness. And you're like, oh come on, like it's all patronizing. Right. Yeah, it is patronizing. It is, it, and you know, it's very pretty, and you can make a lot of beautiful, uh, you know poeticism out of whatever it is comparing contrasting purity and like darkness or whatever but yes it comes across as very patronizing and very you know misogynistic and this movie completely dodges that i'm not praising the movie for what it's not i think that she's just such a well-rounded great character that i just i i can see myself in her sometimes i'm sure other people can see her and i'm and i'm not like an italian woman living in the right sure you're the first person i thought of when she came on screen i was like i'm I'm not an italian woman uh, prostitute living in the 50s or whatever so only some of those things are true right um i'm (laughs) i'm living in the 50s (laughs) every day yeah so welcome to this podcast you surely are (laughs) Yeah, I hate myself. Is that what we're going with here? What? Um, well, I was going with that. You're racist, but that's okay. That's yeah. Um, that's great. You like that? <laughs> I like. You I like being racist. You. Yep, one hundred percent. It's not my thing, but uh, I love that for you. Knights uh, mm-hmm. of Kiberia seems like it is a movie tr- that's trying to give you a well without trying to be. Like, oh, we're just going to show you all aspects of this woman's life. They are trying to give you this, like, three-dimensional character who keeps on trying to be this thing where she's like, I'm trying to find, like, happiness. And it doesn't have to be a guy, necessarily. But a guy also is recognizably stability, is recognizably safety in this, like, hard environment. And right. At the I, very least, she has a sense of loneliness. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. And being loved is amazing. It doesn't have to be it, like the guy is almost um, incidental to that. Like I'm just being loved by another person who can take care of me is a, is just an amazing feeling. And 
I re- uh, that th- and that's why this movie rules, even though it's directed by Federico Fellini, who I'm not a big fan of, as we will soon get into. But like, well, let's let's go over the parts about this that I think are very distinctly Fellini, sure. because he does the very like magical realism, exaggerated kind of soft, dreamlike in a sense thing. A little, yeah, yeah. I I would say a lot. I mean, how else would you? It's a little bit difficult to pin down in words what exactly is his style. Right. But I you think You did your the, best magical realism throwing Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. nostalgic yeah. certainly. For nostalgic what, again. A, it's a weird term because nostalgia always is tied to something. You know, you're you're right. nostalgic for something that was before. And if you weren't related to that thing, it's hard to understand like why that would be nostalgic. But, but I think yeah, Fellini is good at imparting it. that sense. Just again, just from the three of his movies that we've seen here, mostly from Ship Sails on an Arm Record. Mm-hmm. But all that is to say that Knights of Kiberia doesn't have quite that much of that. The mm-hmm. one exception, I think, is the hypnosis scene, which is incredible and uh, like perfect. Like, f- probably my favorite scene in this entire movie because. I mean, it, it's made even better in context because after the fact, when she's talking to Oscar and he's telling her about like, yeah, it was just so genuine and so personal. And so just like you, that's when you feel very distinctly like, oh, this guy, he's, he's right for her because right, sure. she has this, he sees her. like, it, and the, the, just that scene on top of being beautifully filmed mm-hmm. is just so heartbreaking and awful and devastating because it's just this woman who is is incredibly proud because she's incredibly sensitive is constantly putting up this facade because she's so terrified of getting hurt she's her her vulnerabilities are being exploited by this fucking asshole magician who's like humiliating her in front of this audience of men who are just like jeering at her and just the the absolute devastation and betrayal and humiliation of that offset with this guy who who agrees that it's this awful thing and still decides to kind of extend her that, that sense of love, even though it ultimately right. falls through. And in retrospect, you think about that and you're like, that could just, I mean, especially cause I was thinking of that scene and he doesn't mention that he feels bad about it until she does where he's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I agree. No, it was pretty bad. Like, yeah, he, you know, he like starts by saying, Oh my goodness, the passion you showed up there. And she's like, well, I was, ex- you know, I was being exploited or whatever. And he's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I also agree with that. And in right. retrospect, but he's, you're he's like... he's so smooth, but I agree with you. Right. That's a good yeah. catch. In retrospect, you're like, wait, maybe he was just planning us all from the beginning. Or maybe he's a, maybe he's a hallucination. Maybe he's a hypnotist. Like, maybe she's, maybe she's still hypnotized. <laughs> I don't want to be that, like, collider, like, ten theories about uh, Knights of Kiberia that you didn't know you needed or whatever guy i didn't know uh, i needed that one (laughs) well here you go you got it yeah she yeah the the one thing i the the number one thing i will say that i do relate to with kabiria is that i also live in a house made out of minecraft blocks (laughs) (laughs) and you have a minion you have a sidekick who's always there that's that, you, Sean. Was it valid? Yeah, I'm. I'm the Valentina of the dynamic. I think that that's very uh, appropriate. To say. It's Valentina, right? I Wanda think it was Valentina. Wanda. Yeah. Wanda. I don't know where the fuck I'm getting Valentina from, but no. Uh, Wanda was great. She just 
She's tired of everything. She's like, she's who Kabiria kind of wants to be. Yeah. She's like, like Kabiria, now we know why she she has those coping mechanisms to hide her vulnerabilities. Because her roommate just like is genuinely someone who's really jaded and done with everything. And she's like, well, she seems cool. She seems all right. You I know, love her in contrast to Kabiria. Yeah, I yeah. love her in contrast to Kabiria, especially because it feels like they're trying to... It feels like Fellini is trying to comment on just lower class people and the attitudes that they can have to towards being lower class. And I think that uh, Wanda is a good version of that of saying like, no, no, there are people who are genuinely jaded and cynical and think the world is awful. But if you put something in front of them, like protecting this other woman or whatever, then uh, the, the, they'll get the job done. That also does right, sound, yeah. I mean, that sounds a little bit more infantilizing than the rest of the movie is, but it, you know, it feels like they're trying to say like, there are lots of different, there, there are variations on Kabiria's attitude throughout like the lower classes that uh, Fellini seems to be fascinated with. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is a good time to really drill down to what makes this movie work which is julietta messina's performance Mm, certainly it's i mean it's owed i think not i think it's definitely owed in large part to the writing of the character but what makes it special is absolutely the way that she is just i mean it it's difficult even to describe it but the way that i think i kind of think of it is that she's She's sort of everything in the sense that the the things that she puts up, the attitudes that she embodies, this, you know, mm-hmm. cynicism, this detachment, this kind of playfulness, all of that is a front. So it suggests at once, you know, it itself and also indicates its opposite. Like when yeah. she's being coy and playful, you can tell that she's, you know, being sensitive and hurting and that's a very very fine line to tread but i think that so much of what she leaves unsaid is is expressed both in the performance and in the context and everything that it becomes this this all-encompassing performance that we just get such a brief snapshot of like an hour and 20 minutes is is nothing but you still feel like oh i know fully who this person is that, that seems to be the whole project of this movie. And I think it's like beautifully expounded on. It's just, it's everything. It's her expressions. It's her delivery. It's her, you know, it's the way the she scene, moves around in space. The scene where she's the, she's about to be called up by the hypnotist to the front. And she's so like, no, I don't want to go up. No, I don't want to go up. But you can see something in there where she's like, I mean, it would be fun. Like, I kind of like, yeah. the, I, I, I don't, I, this, this is going to sound whatever a little bad but there's kind of an air of like i like being asked you know what i mean like i like the the attention is is nice especially because she just like wandered into this place and she's alone and friendless and lonely like she likes being able to interact with other people even if it's in a way of like no i don't want to go up on stage let me not do that and i think that's mo that's uh, i mean that's really expressed uh, strongly when the the hypnotist like takes off his uh, hat and he looks like the devil he has little devil horns on under his hat so and he's being like charming and she's like a little charmed by him and gives him a like a little like hmm all right all right let, let me give you a little let, let me give you a chance let's let's see what this hypnotism thing is all about um mm-hmm. 
and he and, gets uh, fucked over by it because that's does. the world she lives in. She does. Uh, my favorite scene in the movie I that I think is one of the most, I don't know, it's relatable in a weird way, even though it's such a specific situation, is when she finds the movie star and the the movie star takes her back to his mansion and like doesn't really care about her at all. But she's mm. so into like the glitz and glamour of like you're a movie star and everything that she like sees something in him. That's actually something interesting because like in the in Sweet Charity, uh, the I, I compare it to Sweet Charity where Sweet Charity it may maybe seems like he's interested in her a little like at least as like a rebound as like a hey maybe we should have a relationship or at least like be with each other tonight. I don't think this guy cares about her at all. No specifics. Never, like, I, I don't know if he knows. He, he doesn't remember her name, like, a couple of times. I don't think he, at the end of the night, knows her name. And she hides in his bathroom when his, like, what, his ex-wife or his his possibly broken up with girlfriend come over. Mm-hmm. And they... Just the sleep. instant that... That someone else comes back into his life, he throws right. her away. And there's the suggestion, that, I mean, the very obvious suggestion that she's just sitting in the bathroom eating, like, lobster off a plate while they're in the other room having sex. And she's just, like, stuck there being like, well, I guess this is my life, right? Like, mm. the the weird contrast between the glitz and glamour of this, like, re- like ludicrously fortunate thing of, like, I wandered upon a movie star and he wants to, like, hang out with me thing happened but also that amounts to me sitting with a with a beagle in in like a bathtub or whatever like that mm-hmm. i i there's something the relatable beagle about in the that. bathtub trick right where you're like i don't time. <laughs> you're like sitting there uh, you, you i i we cover a lot of movies that are very strong artistic pieces that we look at and we get to view voyeuristically we get to see these things and you know sometimes we can see ourselves in these characters or whatever but we don't often cover what are typical hollywood glitz and glamour movies where uh you end up being like oh man i loved these characters i loved Mm -hmm. you know i love the iron man or whatever right yeah (laughs) i or or even like the the better versions of like i love uh whatever et or elliot from et right et one of the greatest characters of all time classic uh, kabiria character. might be one of the greatest characters of all time but uh, well sure i mean she's no et <laughs> she didn't phone home i mean the, she can't hole, she didn't phone home right <laughs> she to phone i mean to phone her house she'd have to put like slash tp <laughs> player <laughs> i don't really know where you're coming from with the minecraft thing but i do completely agree with you and so i think that uh it's very unusual to just wander into a movie and be like oh there's like i like this person you know what i mean like it, it I, that sounds right. really yeah, it's silly. A classically likable protagonist but I mean, it's without, also without, very, very complex. I mean, without even breaking into the the movies that we're going to talk about, which we should really move on to because I suck at uh, my rants and stuff. But um, like cameraman, right? Cameraman, mm. it's Buster Keaton, and he's very funny and very goofy. But I'm never like, oh darn, I really hope Buster Keaton gets the girl or whatever. I don't. I'm not really like, oh man, I'm I'm hoping you win or whatever that much. Kabiria, you just want her to win so bad. You need her to get a dub. I mean, yeah. they're calling her the Italian female Sean Murphy. She just can never, <laughs> ever, ever 
ever for once for a second stop taking L's. Sure, sure. She just needs a dub. It's the, one it's, of these days, she might get it. For all you normies out there, it's the Italian Peter Parker. Yeah. But for all you advanced people, it's the Italian Sean Murphy. I'm like Peter Parker if the spider never bit him and <laughs> and Mary Jane hated his ass. Aw. Thought he was a fucking little loser. <laughs> and Flash Thompson killed him in one hit because he they, has one HP. Instead of like, nope, not gonna, never mind. Cut okay. that out. Cut no out that. Problem. Cut out the thing you didn't say. <laughs> yep, exactly. Do that. <laughs> Would you like to move on to the other? Is there anything else you want to see about Knights of Kaviria before we move on to the other Fellini movie? Because well, I... I, I do want to briefly acknowledge that. I mean, kind of as a bridge here, Federico Fellini is a man. I mean, he's got a lot of things. He's sure a, a, an incredible eye. An incredible sense of nostalgia and dreamlike, childlike wonder that he expresses through the lens of the camera like nobody else. He's also mm-hmm. very horny. And he's also, more than anything, confirmed, like, or concerned rather, with the complexities and the, the multitudinous varieties of hanging out. All of mm, his movies are about all the different ways that you can hang out. You can hang out with the girls. You can hang out with the guys. You can hang out with kids. You can hang out with weird guys, with your family, with fucking anybody. And sometimes it's on a boat. Wanda from down the street. Wanda from down the street or Augustus Gloop. <laughs> As we're going to get into. As we will get into with the ship sails on, which is not the title. And the ship sails on. And I think the description if there were theoretically to be one, would go a little something like this. In this late career highlight from Federico Fellini, the ringmaster auteur trades his customary spectacles, the cinema, the circus, and the variety show stage for that of the opera in a quirky imaginative fable set on the high seas. A motley crew of European aristocrats and a lovesick rhinoceros board a luxurious ocean liner on the eve of World War I to scatter the ashes of a beloved diva only to sail into the headwinds of history when they cross paths with a group of Serbian refugees and an Austro-Hungarian warship. Fabricated entirely in Rome's famed Cinecetta, sure, studios with the help of production designer Dante Ferretti, and the ship sails on reaches spectacular new visual heights with its stylized recreation of a decadent bygone era. I'm thinking about what was just said to me. Is this... I mean, obviously, okay, what I'm about to say is going to sound really stupid because it is really stupid. <laughs> okay. But to explain myself a little bit, is this like an early proto-Titanic? I mean, the movie Titanic by James Cameron. Sure. Obviously, I know it's because it's on a boat, whatever. But it really is like... This well, is A Night to Remember saying, is really the OG, you know. Well, sure. But I'm saying that specifically James Cameron's Titanic feels so much like a... I mean, it's a love letter to a lot of things, but mm. kind of the, yeah, I, I think very much about the the recreation of a bygone era. Like, wasn't it lovely when things were like this? Kind of uncritically, in a sense, you know? like You think this movie's uncritical? No, no, I mean, sort of. It's, it isn't. Oh, it wait, isn't. wait, 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 it's, pause, it's, pause, pause. Do you think Red Titanic's Red. uncritical? I mean... Is it really that critical of those social systems? It's like, it's kind of a, it's the childish fantasy version of it. Like, Uh oh, it's weird that a rich guy and a, fuck, 
that a poor guy and a rich girl like it's kind of fucked up that people are like care about that but like mm. you go down to third class and whatever and people are like singing they're dancing they're having fun like it's right. kind of a thing of like it's it's the class divide is purely a problem of emotional stakes within the context of the movie not so much a criticism on the stratification of that society and why that isn't good well, I think that except movie... that at the end there's like people getting in the boat and being like oh my life is more important than those rabble i shouldn't have to sit in the boat with those people but i don't think that that's it's not critical necessarily of the era it's, not, it's so much as it suggests it's, it's that, uh, uh, as a step uh, oh fuck <laughs> it's not i don't think it's critical of the era exactly in the sense that it's criticizing a systemic issue as much as it's just saying this is a, a broad movie for a broad audience. It's true. So here are some evil guys who are being mean and we don't like that. You know, like, it's, oh, you're saying it's it's the it's the opposite of the white savior where it's like, no, no, those white people are deal that being dealt with or whatever. We got to deal with the racist one. The right. Yeah, exactly. Are, so like, here are the know. bad people. You don't right. really need to think about the systemic thing. And I mean, you I know, know, whatever. This isn't sure. sure. This isn't really about Titanic. Yeah, just, yeah, we should. I'm Let's not get into it. But I, I just think that there, there's. I, I think that your your characterization of it as being purely nostalgic and not taking those, at least taking those ideas into account, felt a little like lopsided. I don't think Especially, it takes them very seriously. Lopsided, like, like the Titanic. <laughs> eventually, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I. So, but I mean, really, I'm just I'm getting to the way that this movie feels because it's pretty unique. It's, mm. I mean, it, in terms of Fellini, it's a lot closer to Amarcord than it is to Knights of Kiberia. Oh, because we're yeah, getting a lot that kind of, I, I feel like there is a sense of nostalgia for not just this like era of history. Exactly. But this sense of like the mindset, this, maybe like, the weird way people interact with one another well expound on that definitely but the what i was thinking of is mostly in terms of like this bygone era of art and expression and kind of italian and maybe european culture because so much of this movie is about like opera singers and artists and poets and playwrights Mm. and they're they're striving to fulfill like the heights of mastery in this art form that is kind of at this point for us in 2023 like long long dead and probably i mean even in 83 that was probably on its way out so it it very feels Mm -hmm. very much feels like a love letter to a bygone era and i mean maybe i'm wrong that that's inherently nostalgic but um, yeah, I'm spinning I, my wheels here. It's, no, I see out. what no, I see what you're saying there. I think that there is an aspect to this movie where it is looking back upon those things, and I actually I disagree with your characterization of it as being nostalgic for like, oh man, these were like true artists or something like that. Especially because one of the most main characters in this very ensemble movie. One of the main characters is like this woman who's like, oh, there was, wait a second, that dead woman could sing really well? I, wait, I can sing really well. I'm jealous of her for having been like that good at that, you know? Right. I, and the 
concept of they're all just having sex with one another and it doesn't really matter and they're it, you know there's like love triangles going on not love triangles there's like cheating going on there's uh this guy who uh is in love with this woman after she died but didn't care about her during her life there's them trying to summon her back from the dead i think it's trying to say like these people were ridiculous oh yeah absolutely i i don't think that there's a lot of them saying like man you should remember when this was an art form i actually if anything think that it's way closer to hey guys opera is pretty stupid isn't it like like if anything so I, I think that there's, I mean, there's certainly, there's certainly a sense that, oh, this is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. I think that Fellini is separating, this is ridiculous, this is silly. And I mean, even you could, you could say this is stupid. I think there's separation between that and this is bad. Sure. You know, because so much of like Amarcord, certainly, I mean, in this movie is kind of like a celebration of the ridiculous and of kind the of silly, the stupid yeah. and the goofy. You know, so I there's a selfishness there, though. I think it's it's interesting. I think that what I more see is with both this movie and you brought up Titanic is like there's and uh, uh, in Night to Remember, there's this sense of like, remember when our mindset used to be society based and in a way that was good and bad, where it's like you would define yourself very much by your occupation and place within society. And that was bad because that meant that you thought that you were better than the Serbians that we took as refugees and were not like good. But also it meant that like you could sing with a bunch of people on board like a cruise ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could be a part of something bigger and be okay with your role in it. You would define yourself by as a society member rather than as an individual even if that led just to the same uh, effects where you're just pushing aside whoever isn't you. I think that there is a nostalgia for that mindset that mm-hmm. makes it seem like that almost makes it seem like these characters are not sympathetic, but like being given a little bit more here than may first meet the eye. That, well, but but at the end of the day they like hate like there's a bird and they're like they hate the bird there's a rhino and it looks like a very sad rhino and they hate the rhino and like it feels like it's very stupidly like uh, i don't know these people bad you know well let's talk a little bit about the characters here because sure. i think one of the strengths of this movie is how much you do get to know the main cast and I think that's impressive when a lot of them have kind of interchangeable roles as here's a goofy, ridiculous opera singer. But you kind of understand the character of like the portly guy who's kind of a womanizer, who's like a mm. little bit ridiculous and kind of slovenly. And, and very much trying to be the center of yeah. attention. Yeah. Versus the guy who's like uptight and classical and the woman who has this this hunger to figure out like, okay, how do I... How do I get where she was? How do I reach that level of mastery? Right. But like, also there, there's like the assistant who's also a medium. <laughs> like, yeah, a what, of, what is that guy? And the there's comedian? Augustus Gloop, the, the Augustus Duke Gloop. of wherever, and his sister and their counselor. Like, And the sister's is... like a blind woman, but like she thinks she sees in colors. I mean, I mean, yes, we all, most of us see in colors, but like, you know what I mean? She, she hears things and yeah, yeah, synesthesia. Sure, that's the term. I'm not familiar but yeah that yeah. that is the uh, like it doesn't feel like they're reduced to 
stereotype caricature sure like they're they're very broad right, like this yeah. is this guy's gimmick or whatever but the gimmicks are so weird like there's the one guy who's like i'm a comedian i don't want to work for like oh children. i loved him he was such a fucking demon he was so foul and he's like and he's gay so that's not why i disliked that. him that's no, not no, why he's okay no i mean to be no, very no, clear. No, to be cl- no i just mean no i just mean i know, to be I know. Clear, that there's other reasons that that character is the person that he is but i mean like the the he like it feels like it's like a like there there's four things you need to know about every person on board <laughs> and this and they are completely unrelated not that they need to be like intertwined i'm sure there, there are plenty of gay comedians but i'm saying like they don't feel Me. like archetypes they don't feel like there's any central idea with them it's just kind of making jokes about i i, I don't, don't know i don't know because like the they're, i mean they're all artists they're all creatives i think that a big part of it is is kind of like the inherently like the inherent ridiculous of ridiculousness of being an artist and kind of like the selfishness of it because sure I know the so the main character kind of is this journalist guy who reports directly to the camera. He's oh um, he's such a I, I was thinking he's the Wes Anderson character. He's the Wes Anderson narrator in like Moonrise it's Kingdom. It's a very Wes Anderson movie. Truly, I think yes. in a lot of ways. Yep, I mean, uh, like you, I don't know what Wes Anderson you're familiar with, but like he has a lot of ensemble movies where it's like these all he, every character has like a gimmick and. You're like, is this an archetype that I'm supposed to know? No, this is right. Yeah, very specifically their quirks and their highlighting and, and, and underlining every to be one of them. The hero, exactly. Right, but what rules about like Royal Tenenbaums or I don't know French Dispatch or whatever is that they all feel like they come to get. Okay, French Dispatch was a terrible example because that's like an anthology movie, basically. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it what rules about like Royal Tenenbaums or Asteroid City just came out, right? All of them feel like they come together to a certain extent. It feels like they are all bound thematically and in the end narratively towards like an end or, uh, you know, they, they get shuffled around a lot. These characters don't get shuffled around a lot. They don't move. They don't develop. There's, uh, there's no conflict until like, uh, two-thirds of the way through the movie halfway through the movie when the yeah come the way aboard. that the description makes it sound is like oh the premise is this culture clash of the refugees and these people like no they they come in like you said the refugees do two-thirds of the way through the movie uh-huh. and then some people are like oh i don't know about this but then they dance around and it's fine and right and they're like oh yeah we like them now and then they're like wait never mind we don't like them because of course they're still others we don't like others and uh once we've conducted our business we still continue to other those other people like yeah it's it, i don't know it doesn't feel i i didn't like this movie <laughs> I, I i don't think i've talked about that i don't like this movie very much sean i i yeah i basically think it is I, I put it that like it's functional. It's it reminds me of Lady Vanishes, where I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of disparate elements that really work for me enough for me to be like, I could if someone was gonna put it on, I'd be like, all right, throw it on. But like, I this is one of the lessers of uh, certainly the movies we've covered on this podcast, and one maybe one of the movies that I would like 
it's one it's the the minimum possible ability for me to be like you passed this is a c minus or whatever yeesh i don't know there's so much that's really genuinely delightful about this movie i won't say it's like laugh out loud funny but i'm thinking about like the 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 exchange between the augustus gloop duke where they're (laughs) faint like quibbling over a slight like mistranslation or whatever when the thing that he just said fundamentally made no sense but everyone is making their own excuses to try and make it make sense it's just goofy things like that the funny rhino and then like that's the thing that kind of makes me think i actually like this movie more than i initially um initially thought is Mm -hmm. i'm thinking about all these cute little funny little bits and then I'm mm. being like, but how it was shot? Because the way that the fake prop rhino was being lifted onto the, like we get the the below shot, and then we get the shadow of the rhino on the right. above deck. And then I'm thinking about like the the scene with the um where they're dancing, where they're dancing with the refugees, and how beautiful that is. Like the sense of motion and everything, and momentum, and all the characters coming together, and we see all their distinct little reactions, and then the funeral scene where they're all arranged in this beautifully precise order. That's what makes it kind of feel like Wes Anderson to me. Like Anderson clearly cribs from Fellini a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely not an original observation. I'm under the illusion I'm making there, but I, yeah, just. Man, I'm wondering why I didn't like it more than I did. I think. I, think, I mean, I think it, I'll give I'll give you a couple of more reasons. I think it's beautifully yeah, shot. It. I think that it it the the way they shoot the sea is so amazing. I I the mm. the way the the like sparkling on the water. You're right. Like that's when I think of like well, the way they day glow kind of like nostalgia when you're talking about like these Fellini movies. It's like there's there's a association with like i don't know like i i i suddenly realized while looking out onto the ocean in within my tv screen i was like you know what i haven't been on the ocean in i was like in months but no i was like i haven't been on like a boat like this i've never been in the middle of the ocean and been like nope there's no land for any in any direction that's crazy right like that like how great would that be i should go out there and like try that thing which is funny because it's showing you obviously an intentionally very artificial version of the ocean but it still gives you that sense of like vastness and discovery and it's it's nice it rules oh yeah 100 percent um are you giving me reasons to dislike it? Let's get no, back. No, I was on giving track you reasons yet. to like it. That's what. Oh, you, okay, you were saying, okay, okay. You were saying like, why do I like it? Why, like, why do I like it so much? So I was trying to be like, well, I actually have so like, I don't think the humor hits. Like, that's not my, not my mm-hmm. bad. Uh, I, I, that's not anything that I think is good about this movie. There's, I, I'll get, uh, grant you, like, there's some fun jokes in it. The translation thing's okay. Like. Uh, the 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 singing part where they go down to the boiler room and they try to outdo each other by singing oh, to the yes. to the like the opera duel. Blue, blue collar worker guys right like oh the bunch of shirtless guys who are you know sitting there and and shoveling coal or whatever like that's great um that way the way that is staged is awesome too the way that they're like leaning towards the voice of everyone that they're sure. like in the middle of this the fucking uh shinra plant from the first level of final fantasy seven and there it's just it's so well framed it's so uh it's such a such a brilliantly composed little thing there i i'm fully at the point where i'm like i don't know why i don't like this more you know like i get why i like it 
I am at that point too, but instead I actually like, I'm trying to express, express like why I don't like it. It's very pretty to look at, but I am so bored. It, like I, I, I don't, I, whatever we watch bore quote boring movies all the time, right. but it feels like this movie is constantly telling me like, ah, do you like it? There are movies that give off dad at museum energy. Which is like, oh, hey, check this out. Hey, man. Yeah. Oh, isn't this interesting? Hey, Anthony, you should. Oh, look at this. Like, ooh, you know, this is a thousand years old or whatever. And you're like, yeah, dad. Mm-hmm. And like, not it. Like some of it's interesting and some of it's not. But I don't like. I don't love any of it. None of it's like blowing me away. And thematically, I think it's a mess. I think it's a self-indulgent thing. I think we should talk about the ending too. I, I really love the scene where they signal to the battleship. I think that's the be- the most engaged I was the whole movie because I genuinely wanted battleship to know. Battleship looks great. The so tension- cool. Yeah, the battleship looks great. It's amazing. It's intentionally like artificial or if not intentionally artificial, it feels intentionally artificial for sure. And we're about to get the rug pulled out from under us in a few moments from from the point that the battleship is introduced. So totally makes sense that it would be artificial. But the... Um, I don't, I don't see what's going on here and I don't care. The, the characters are all try. They're trying to give it me invested in like these characters that just don't, it doesn't matter who they are. They're going to go end up in the same place. They try to get me to like these people that are unlikable. They also try to get me to dislike them. And I kind of don't, I, it's you not even fun to, to dislike them. I it's not even that I don't care enough. It's that there's not enough to dislike. They have the occasional moment like, oh, they're singing and they don't understand these blue collar workers or whatever, or they, oh man, they they hypnotize a chicken in the middle of this movie and like they stop the movie and hypnotize the chicken. But there's way too much going on for me to dislike them for like stopping the chefs because also the narrator's like gonna faint and this guy's shirtless going. Oh, and hypnotizing a chicken like i don't think this movie knows what it's doing at any given moment i think it has a lot it's like and sure it'll be it it, i and i know that this is not true i'm mischaracterizing Fellini. i'm sure he's a very intentional filmmaker but he's kind of gesturing like you know like rich people be crazy right anyway let's do another scene and it's also like I, 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 there's nothing yeah. there for me. I, it, I just was left feeling hollow after almost every scene in this movie, feeling like I didn't watch it. Like I, it drained from my brain as I was watching it. Any sense of like energy propulsion. Uh, it, it's not just that I, I it would, it was unengaging and it felt like it was trying to be engaging. It felt like they were, they were grasping at, a vague something out there and never, and just grab smoke. I, I still feel like we haven't exactly nailed that. I mean, it's, you're right. Yeah. You can't prove a negative, right? We can't no. exactly say this is the thing that isn't there for me, but I don't know the there are many aspects that I was more impressed by than you, but I, I am kind of at a similar loss here. Mm-hmm. do we I, uh I, do you I, think we we need to kind of work on this as we go just sure. figuring out because so many times we're going to be talking about movies that we know are great that are made by great filmmakers and sure. we have to kind of say 
well, it wasn't really for me and I don't really know why. Do you think we have to get better at figuring that out? Or do you think we, <laughs> we just should. need to do we just need to have a shorthand for saying like, hey, this is a this is a code lemon. <laughs> Pretty great. And I know Not it's great. <laughs> Appreciate it. But I like it lemons. doesn't work for me. Lemons are good. Though. I like lemons too. What about, I think it's uh, well, there's also like code so like people talk about cilantro because ever when everyone loves to be like, well, cilantro. cilantro literally like tastes different to different people. And so like, you know, you taste cilantro and like some people say it tastes like soap and it's like a genetic thing or whatever. Right. Right. And people love pointing that out as like, oh, subjectivism. Right. I I don't think it's like so much that I think that there's something special here where we're like, I don't know what. I, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. You know, like I, there's clearly like some decently unified vision that feels like chaos to me, you know, that feels like just gobbledygook. It's like untranslatable. I, I actually wrote down like, is it because it's a mixture of, you know, we watch a lot of movies with subtitles. I mean, every movie we watched to this week has subtitles except for it's, the cameraman. it's not even something i notice anymore yeah right right i i, I totally 100 percent agree well, I cameraman actually... has the most aggressive subtitles <laughs> of all depending on how you categorize it true i actually yeah i uh we will talk about my viewing of cameraman and how that was affected by uh that but you know usually i don't even notice at all if i do it's because of like irma vep which we will talk about as well where i'm like oh wait it's switching between english and a different language cool i want to put on subtitles that are going to be in english for the parts that are going to be in english you know right yeah or whatever i don't usually notice it that being said because of the humor because this is so because humor tends to be so subjective and this is so societal, I wonder if it's just a, uh, the, the movie holds these people at such a distance and also has this language barrier that I just, I can't get it. I don't, I, it, it's also a little bit of a cultural barrier, I think. And that's yeah. what I'm kind of going to arrive at here is that yeah, we have so. this, we have this movie that's very steeped in a certain cultural context that's calling back to a certain time with this nostalgic air that we are just not exposed to whatsoever. Like I am not familiar with what is being referenced. I'm not familiar with what is kind of being parodied and lampooned and that I think that we kind of have to, as I mean, we honestly, go through, I didn't know about these events that these were right, like yeah. real life events. When the battleship showed up, I was like, Oh, it's like Titanic. Like, I mean, I made Titanic parallels before, but I was like, oh, it's like we should have probably come into this knowing that the ship was going to sink at the end. That might have affected our viewing, you know? Well, I think that we need to come to grips with the fact that as we watch like 1500 odd of these (laughs) movies, there's going to be a few more than a few, like however much we want to be completionist about it. Like Mm. our perspective is just limited by god knows how many things and some we will just never be able to get and some we might get eventually but not in the course of the podcast it's like it's not i mean it it just is what it is that's i really want to like fellini that's my big problem is Mm -hmm. just i know that there are plenty of people who are i don't know 20 years old 20 something year olds who are English speakers who've never spoken a word of Italian, who still can be like, oh, yes, Fellini, I love his movies. And I just, mm-hmm. like, I, 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 watch, I watch this one in Amarcord, and I'm like, Amarcord being, like, pretty good, I, I, I will say. 
Right. But like, I watch these two and I'm like, what are you talking? Like, how do you get behind this guy? He's got cool shots. That's about it. What are you seeing here? It's pretty, you know? I don't know. All right. Let's, let's sail on. <laughs> yeah. So next up, you got your pick. We got my pick, The Cameraman. Uh, the Cameraman we're covering because it is a Buster Keaton movie, and I have been uh, moving through all the Buster Keaton movies one by one, trying to go through all of the movies that he directed. And uh, this was one of the last ones I had to cover. I've only got one more left, which is Spite Marriage. So, uh, yeah. Are, are, are you a big uh, silent comedy guy before I get us into the description? Not really. It's just not really my thing. I guess I'm not... I don't know if I'm a physical comedy guy in general. Sure. But the... it Comedy is is something that's so context-dependent and context-specific. Mm. It's how I kind of feel with screwball comedies. I mean, I've talked about it before where I'm just like, stuff that's old sucks. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm exaggerating there, obviously. Sure, but sure. It's... You're not, you're not uh, a certain guest that we have on the podcast in a couple uh, weeks who says like, well, it has subtitles, so it sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that those, that, we had a conversation, awesome. I mean, not about that. The subtitles uh-huh. thing, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit rough. But mm-hmm. we did have a conversation about, hey, uh comedy doesn't translate super well across time like the cultural context you're in can absolutely make it so that sure there are certain things you just don't get and you kind of have to be in the right headspace or have the right motivation to to really be there it's like something something in my brain makes me you know just cry laughing at animals getting destroyed by heavy machinery or watching dancing dude knocks himself out for 10,000, 10,000th time. But like, it just, it's, it's not, I'm not necessarily hardwired for Buster Keaton stuff to really, you know, bust my gut laughing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That being said, I like this thing. It's pretty nice. Tell us a little bit about it. Ah, all right. Buster Keaton's The Cameraman, directed by Edward Sedgwick. Buster Keaton is at the peak of his slapstick powers in The Cameraman, the first film that the silent screen legend made after signing with MGM and his last great masterpiece, the final work over which he maintained creative control. This clever farce is the culmination of an extraordinary decade-long run that produced some of the most innovative and enduring comedies of all time. Keaton plays a hapless newsreel cameraman desperate to impress both his new employer and his winsome office crush as he zigzags up and down Manhattan, hustling for a scoop. Along the way, he goes, I should really be, along the way, he goes for a swim and winds up soaked, becomes embroiled in the Chinatown Tong War, (laughs) and teams up with a memorable monkey sidekick, the famous Josephine. The marvelous inventive film within a film setup allows Keaton's imagination to run wild, yielding both sly insights into the travails of movie making and an emotional payoff of disarming poignancy. I I settled for half and half for some reason. I thought that was appropriate. We got there eventually. So, I mean, a couple things that I appreciate about that. Mm -hmm. Well, one, I don't think that film within a film is really appropriate here. There are newsreels and footage in this, but at no point is there ever really is it ever really an examination of like the artistic process or whatever, you know? Agreed. I think it's, I, it's just a device. That's a, yeah, that, I mean, 
there is an artistic process at work mm-hmm. but the fact that i mean spoilers just in case you guys are really worried about spoilers for this movie uh the, the fact that there's a monkey like literally just cranking the camera and pointing it at him at one point is it, i think an intentional slap in the face towards filmmaking as like an <laughs> as like artistry I mean, Buster Keaton is famous for being like, if any comedian calls himself an artist, you should, uh, uh, you should like tell him to shut up. Like, mm-hmm. that's really stupid. You, you're a comedian. You're or you're a filmmaker. You make like fun stuff for people to enjoy or whatever. He was very, he's very Sean esque in that way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm yeah, kidding. I hate movies. I think they're stupid. <laughs> uh, stay tuned for our like Olympic box set episode. No. Um, oh Jesus. I think oh, that uh, Buster Keaton is intentionally in, in some of these moments saying like, it really doesn't matter that much. And I don't think that this is a movie about filmmaking, like almost at all. <laughs> like it, no. they do some fun tricks with the camera, but I mean, no one's like, Oh yes. My classic filmmaking thing process where I like grab a monkey and a camera and go film, like people actually killing each other in Chinatown. Like, come on yeah it's it's a so much more of it is about like how to make it as a short king in today's society <laughs> that's i mean that's something that i noticed and what i do like about um silent comedies is that all of these guys they're little as hell mm-hmm. i'm listen i'm a small man i'm as not exactly I. you know I, i'm shorter towering. than you are yeah yeah, well, they're all like you size. Yeah, yeah, they're not well, like me. Buster Keaton and uh, we we didn't do any research, but maybe we did. And Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin are both five five. Harold Lloyd is five ten though, so he's like, you know, he's he's getting up there. But uh, he's towering over me <laughs> in comparison to us. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they are definitely movies about like man, the underdog. Buster Keaton constantly has like these comedies where it's like, oh, all the all the boys, they like get together and they go do this masculine thing. And I don't fit in with that. Oh wait, there's a girl who likes that. Wait a second. Let me, let me try that to, to Mm -hmm. buffoonish results. (laughs) Like that's really what he keeps on hitting is like, wait, all, you know, I'm very happy with my tin type uh, and, and to like hang out over here. Oh wait, there's a bunch of newsreel guys. Well, I'm not one of them. Oh wait, there's a girl who likes newsreel who I like have to get in with, her like newsreel team to like date or whatever you know what i'm a newsreel guy like that's really the that's i mean i just explained to you the plot of like every buster keaton movie that's ever existed basically more or less it's it works whatever works it's i mean that's short, I, I just mean like bringing the short king energy although it's very much a joke it's true like that's really what buster no, it's, keaton it's is. not like, a joke right like legitimately I think that's so much of what makes these guys, actors, like characters work is Mm -hmm. how you can easily visually identify them as their role in the movie. It's always like, yeah, like you said, they're the underdog. They're the guy who, you know, is is the scrappy one standing up to everybody else. They're like using their body, using what they are and their immediate appearance as their as their method of, of delivering comedy. And also they do it. Like they turn their bodies into machines for physical comedy because we see Buster Keaton shortlist for a brief while. And he is, 
He's I mean, jacked. Well, I mean, he's like Holy by crap. our standards. By our standards, like with HGH and fucking protein powder and shit, like not really. But by sure. those times, like he was pretty fucking cut. I was. Like, this I, is a man built to fall down. Hey, if I had, I mean, if I had Buster Keaton's body, like I would just like go hard you'd kill me the first thing that <laughs> yeah, you do is come over to my house and kick my ass it would start there yeah 100 percent. um i think that uh but i don't know buster keaton is just he, he always proves himself to be like athletically competent at the end of the movie you know right. i mean this is this isn't so much athletically eventually he like can film like film something interesting or whatever but usually you have a movie like college where he like goes to college and he's like i hate sports and then the girl's like i love sports and she he's like all right i love sports and he goes and he tries out for every sport and you're like it's like goofy right in the 50 cart 50s cartoons being like gosh i'm gonna throw this discus right like i threw myself with the discus right that's how goofy talks that's always so fucking heartbreaking when that happens whenever something ridiculous happens to goofy i just i'm in tears because he tries so fucking hard and what does he get for it it's very similar to buster like at the end of college buster eventually uh rescues the girl from an an ex-boyfriend or something and does so through like doing all the events perfectly like oh wow like he can pole vault now because he's trying to get the girl he like does throws a disc or something because it's like the disc is to, or whatever it is i don't remember the exact college is not one of the better ones but um he uh but like that's like the very like obvious premise and it works because you look at him and holy cow this guy's like sculpted low-key buster keaton hot like what is up I'd with say that so. Yeah, sure. In a way that Charlie Chaplin could never. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Charlie Chaplin is is hiding a fucking Yujiro Hama style demon back as well behind those those little little outfits he's in. But he's just a little guy. There's a I hate Rick and Morty does this joke so much where it's like, oh, someone tear someone like looks like so and so, like a little old man. He tears off his shirt and he's like jacked or whatever. Like but it's always awesome. I am <laughs> no, it's not. It sucks. It's it's awful. It's like a really obvious joke. Like, oh wow, Jesus has abs or whatever. Like, oh wow. I mean, crazy, I can't right? speak for Rick and Morty, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> this honestly could very much do that with buster keaton and instead they use it as a gag where he's like stuck with a larger man in like a in a changing room yeah that was a that wasn't one of the better bits went on for a second but well i mean we should talk about some of the things that are funny in this movie well before we do that while we're talking about word from our sponsor i well uh, apes well, a monkey's not an ape. Wait, hold on. Is it? It's a primate, but not an ape. Okay, right. apes don't have tails. There we go. I remember. Mm-hmm. We're so back. But yeah, the monkey in this movie, I think you said that it had a name. It's like a known monkey actor. Josephine. Which makes sense to me. Josephine, yeah. Because she's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Like this this monkey, it's it shows the natural talent that the smaller primates have for acting <laughs> and expression. Right, like because Buster Keaton, like, like yeah. Charlie Chaplin, <laughs> smaller yeah, primates. Exactly. <laughs> the smaller animals, the smaller, more meager creatures of the world. But yeah, <laughs> like she's... clap and, and sing for our benefit. She's great. 
she's so like expressive i agree she comes out of nowhere in the plot of this movie i Mm -hmm. i didn't i had seen the criterion cover and i'm gonna buy this movie now because you know i'm a fiend and all that uh but you're a pervert right i'm a (laughs) wait whoa 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 no i i'd seen this cover i did not never notice that there was a monkey on it i'm gonna be honest like i just never looked at it that hard to be like oh yep there's i looked at it and i was like that's buster keaton he sure is caught in a bunch of film <laughs> no, nothing more to see here right and uh jump you know, scared monkey yep i i think that it uh it was a weird addition to this movie like introduced in the middle of it no i mean it makes every gag better i also i mean i'm glad that you talked about the uh the monkey running the camera for mm. um at the at the shore at the, well actually i don't right. think we talked about that right no, well, i think that, that might have right. been off mic but let's let's get talk into about it. it so coming off of knights of kabiria i already had a movie that was fun and joyful and was getting me to like a plucky little character who i was ostensibly rooting for to get the girl and you know right off into the sunset and but i had already been burned so at the second act low point of this movie where he loses his girl, this one generic jock guy, and he he is just left completely alone on the shore with the monkey like, running the camera. To like Flash Thompson or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Roderick from Roderick Rules. You know, classically like bull- Even hot bullies. The <laughs> hottest bully of all time is that. I mean, I think that Roderick was ahead of his time when they cast that guy, both of the actors actually, <laughs> because people were like, no, Wait. old Roderick was hot. New Roderick mm-hmm. sucks. Fuck new Roderick. But like new Roderick's time will come when we're into like, when Stephen <laughs> Malkmus comes back around as the hottest type of guy you can be in like six years or whatever, people are going to reevaluate new <sighs> Roderick. What I appreciated so much about that bit you just did is it's a lot like Knights of Kabiria. Where mm-hmm. several times during that bit, I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going. And yeah. <laughs> and every time you surprised me, instead of being like, oh, yeah, Roderick, he's he's so hot or whatever. Or even being like, oh, new Roderick sucks. Or saying something stupid like, Diary of a Kid should be in the Criterion Collection. You were like, no, no, no. The new Roderick, he's underappreciated. He is will be appreciated one day. Which one is day. Just- His time will come. I swear it. He's not. I mean, they Watch they've already stopped. Re, they've already stopped that reboot, if I'm not mistaken, because they do. No, I'm saying that now. I'm saying that like ten years from now, in on like fucking Twitter, if that's still around, Space or Tumblr, what, whatever yeah. it's gonna be, people are gonna be like, we were too harsh on the new Roderick, and we need to acknowledge that he was pretty hot the whole time. I mean, people are doing it with everything now, so you know, people if they can will love fuck, the prequels. Listen, listen. <laughs> Listen, you go online, people will claim they want to fuck anything. Any, like, ugly, dumpy, like, character actor. Any Wallace Shawn-style character actor. People will post him, like, a picture of him looking like shit and be like, uh, hear me out, y'all. And people will be like, no, Krista, what are you talking about? Delete this. 17 crying laughing emojis. And then someone else is replying like, she's right, though. No, Except for me. Listen. I'm living proof that people will fuck anything in the world except for me. Oh my gosh. The the ultimate example of this, someone talked about, there was a, 
this is going to be the most like film bro disgusting sentence of all time writing i was on uh, a reddit about the letterboxed app uh-huh. and they were talking about was how it, did it happen to be the letterboxed reddit or another one no the letterboxed reddit right okay I'm and they were talking they were talking about um i mean there's there are more than one but that's not the point not the point. they were talking about like reviews they were annoyed at like kinds of reviews that they were annoyed at or something something to that effect and someone's like i hate the style of letterbox reviews that's all like man take this character and i ooh, it's super over sexualize them even though they're not very sexualized and i was like yeah i really and i was like reading that and i'm being like yeah i relate to that that's a really annoying and they're like for example Man, that turtle from over the hedge, mmm, want to have his babies. Like, I really want Vern from over the hedge. Gary Shandling, he really gets, you know, that 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 nasally voice really gets me going or whatever. And what sucks so much about that example is he was using he, she, they. We're using it as an example of, like, the worst version of that bit of, like, just choosing a random character, like, right, out yeah. of a movie. It that, could be anything. Right. That looks conventionally unattractive and probably old and saying that they wanted to have sex with it. And I I laughed. I laughed hard. I thought that really, was be the funny. funniest thing that I heard that day. And so I Listen, like commented on them being like, look, I agree with all of your points. That being said, even your like sarcastic, like half energetic, like uh, thirst trap of a text for this turtle really had me going there. Man. I'm so Man. sorry. I'm so sorry. So all of that, I think we need, I, did I even forget or fuck? <laughs> the guy on the do beach. That over, do that the over. guy on the beach. The, well, the monkey on the beach, not a guy. And I'm, I was thinking like, oh, this is, we're done. It's so over. This is where the movie is going to end. And it's going to be another fucked up, fuck you, gut punch of an ending. Uh, and then it wasn't like, obviously, because that would be stupid. He, he gets mm. everything back and it all works out, but. And I sort of contrived really fucked last me bit. Up. Yeah. No, I think the last bit was, well, because it was like, it all hinges on the idea that, oh, the monkey was being goofy and messed everything up. And here's but the, the monkey thing. doesn't matter. <laughs> like, why is the monkey in this movie? No, didn't the monkey he accidentally buys it on switch out? He it, did. It, he he no. switched out the, well, okay. He did, but okay, I, what okay. I'm Just saying is like. I'm because it's awesome. That's the oh, answer. Gosh. Because sure. the monkey is fucking awesome. And you need to have a monkey in your movie because it's funny. And I also, mean, because of funny. the thing that you observed, which is kind of like the the kind of self-effacing image of a monkey running a camera, of like, this is what it is to fucking make a movie. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can just point a camera at something interesting that's happening and crank it. That's all it takes. I think that's a cute little visual gag that goes a couple layers deep. I definitely agree. I think it's one of the few, like moments of depth in this movie that's very much mm. like ah it's a guy it's a fella and he's trying to get a girl ha <laughs> he's gotta do it with a camera mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't know. I hate that guy <laughs> why do we yeah, i hate that guy that i keep embodying <laughs> i keep doing his voice but i hate his no. it's up to I'm, you i'm bad at all impressions so uh, but i love hey, me doing too them. i just i just no you're you know, slight you, you can do them in a way that is like functional for a bit 
where you're like, sure. this is if you tell me what it is beforehand, then I'm like, oh yeah, that's an impression of that person. I can see that. It's a caricature, you know? It's like someone who like draws on the beach, like people who come like by and he like makes their ears super big and all that caricature drawers. Like right. they're not great artists or anything, but they can do that function. And you are doing perfectly well for that function. I'm even bad as like a joke. Like all my jokes are just stick figures. <laughs> Just can't get off the ground. This yeah. failure to land. So I, I do. Oh, uh, sorry. I wanted. I wanted to just before we get out of this movie, I wanted to just highlight some of the bits here. Are, are there any? I actually like the the changing room bit. I think it's pretty funny. I yeah, love. I, this is stupid, but I really love the part where he jumps in the pool. He loses his swimsuit, not because like because usually that's like a stupid bit in a movie where that happens and someone goes whoa and they like grab their swimsuit or whatever. Instead, I love the idea that he has to find ways of like hiding himself, and eventually he steals a woman's pants to get out. Like it's so ridiculous and stupid. It's great. I thought you were gonna say the one where. The lady walks by and all of the guys in the pool get out in perfect coordination. Mm. No, that's just how it be. That's how it be. I'm a typical Reddit user and that's how it be. (laughs) It's fucking Joe Biden's America. That's how it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Makes a lot of sense. You know, I, okay, I gotta, we gotta pause here. Yeah. Because, you know, we're so on topic. Uh, You know, that joke like gets done every single president. Like in Biden's America, haha! It's like just oh yeah, it's the same thing as like thanks Obama. You know what I mean? Like, I think thanks Obama was the big one that it got it was, started. Well, okay, that one was think... better because like even Obama was like, "This is funny." You know what I mean? Like that one was okay no, because even like people on Obama the left or listen. no, I mean like people on the left and the right could come together and be like, "This is a funny joke," and people on the right were like, "Yeah, but we actually believe it," and people on the left were like, "Yeah, that's okay. It's still just a funny bit. Like it's a good bit." You know, I don't like anything that Obama likes because that man, I mean, in so many ways, he is a vampire. He is a wicked man and he loves just sucking the the joy and soul out of so many things. And that includes apparently even that joke. Fuck Most... you, Obama. Not because not because you're a black guy, because you, you did a lot to cut off the energy of a lot of progressive movements and made people satisfied with bullshit half measures. Just want to make very clear the wow. perspective I'm coming from. I, you can I also mean, that cut was, that out if you want. I, or whatever, I don't give no, a shit. No, I don't care if you po- express your political opinions on this podcast. I'm just ready for the hate that will ensue. We're going to gain subscribers that are just going to be hate watchers, hate listeners. They're gonna All be the like, Obama heads. <laughs> Hey, I, I keep up with this movie podcast. Yeah, no, I don't really care about anything they talk about, but sometimes one of the hosts talks about Obama and I get really mad at it. Right, I've been like, listening to it for a thousand episodes. I, I'm actually, I watch every single movie along with them, but like, it's mostly just because he hates Obama a little bit. Like, yeah. <laughs> just sort of a passive, he's, he's in like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't like dislike him that much more than the other presidents. Is Obama in anything? Is Obama in a movie? I think he's in a lot of like viral videos now. He's in a lot oh, yeah. of podcasts. He does a lot of. He's in like Funnier Die. They do the the like you know uh, between two ferns and all that. Like he's in those, but I don't like. I want to see someone be like. 
oh my gosh, it's former President Barack Obama. You want to oh see God. him? I want to see him in Family Guy. Here's the thing no, about no, Obama. No, no, no. no I want to see him in Family no, Guy, but no. he thinks too much of himself. No, He's too fucking too, stuck no, up. Doesn't count. No, I want to see like Wayne's World where they're like, oh my gosh, it's Obama. Like, I don't want... I don't want a stupid, like, oh, it's animated, so they just got him in for the voice cameo, and that's, like, such a big deal. And I don't even want, like, uh, wow, we have, like, a video of him or whatever. I just want two characters in this movie I'm watching to one day be like, that's President Obama. <laughs> or well, or do, this? like, the contact thing. Like, uh, like oh, my, like, uh, our, our, you know. Zod, General Zod has come back from the grave and is attacking Metropolis. Somehow, General <laughs> oh, Zod here's, returned. Right, here's a message from the president, and it's just pre- it's just Barack Obama being like, uh. General, Zod, General Zod has returned. It gives me no pleasure to report, but with the death of Superman, it appears to be the end of human civilization. Exactly. Barry, your uh, running has had uh, ripple effects throughout the... I'm awful. I'm awful. I'm just... I'm getting worse at every impression. We're getting reports that the speed force has been disturbed. See, see, that's bad. (laughs) You're not good at it. That's probably your worst impression. Let's be real. You're actually good at other stuff. That was your worst impression. That's the only one I think you should be ashamed of. (laughs) Well, how about this? Maybe, you know, Obama, he's alright, but then Meatwad comes in. Hello, what's up, Barack? What's going on? It's Meatwad, and then I can't really think of anything to say from there. But pretty good, pretty good Meatwad voice distracted you from the bad Obama voice, right? Oh, you know what? What if uh, here he comes? It's it's Sean. Oh, hi guys. Yeah, hey, Ooh, it's me, Sean. Uh, oh, were we going to talk God. about the movie? That's that's you. That's your voice. Thank fucking God. I thought you were... Listen, my biggest fear is for someone to do an impression of me. And I, nail it? Yeah. If I were... Not even nail it. If they were to say anything, like, remotely accurate. Like, even then, the thing you did as a joke, like, gave me a little terrified cringe. <laughs> like, that was enough to set my fucking flight or fight. Or th- Fuck. Uh, so, well, w- one more thing. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll let you take it away after the fact, but the last thing sure. I want to observe about the cameraman is that they do, like, dialogue-based gags in a mm-hmm. silent movie, and it's... Uh, oh, he does it all the time. But, like, why? I mean, okay, it's good. I understand it's why. It's a, I, I mean, it's fine, but I don't, I don't think it's the one they do here with, like, the who's on first thing, whatever. I get sure. that it's, like, a vaudeville thing, and that, you know, it's too... Like silent film and Buster oh. Keaton is inspired by vaudeville oh, sure. and doing the vaudeville, you know, wordplay, or whatever kind of makes uh-huh. sense. But he, he's a vaudevillian a himself, yeah. So much of it is about timing and fucking intonation and expression, okay. like dialogue based delivery. Like I just, I don't know why you're doing that. Just I actually words. agree with you here. I think this is one. This is not. I I was not that into this. I was like, oh, it's like a oh warehouse. Where are you? Like they, I was like, this is not. I'm not sold on this, especially because I can see the difference between where and where. Right, yeah, like, it's purely based on something that can only be heard. Sometimes he does bits that are good. He has this one bit in Sherlock... No, I'm not going to describe a bit in a different <laughs> Buster Keaton movie. That's stupid. Why would I do that? I'm just saying sometimes they succeed. Sometimes I think sure. that they actually derive power from the fact that they just have a big block of text in here on, on screen that's just like, punchline! And you're like, whoa, that was funny! Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I think that that works yeah. sometimes. 
but it uh, have its own appeal to it. But I'm I'm skeptical. Th- this very very dialogue based, where it's like, oh, the particulars of what they're saying are uh, and how they're confused with, with each other uh, are is where the joke lies. Yeah, not 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 really great. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think that the cameraman is one of his best movies. I don't. I mean, it's one of his best movies, but like, it's a high bar to clear to get up in there with the top three or so. I think Steamboat Bill Jr. is my all timer for him. I love the General. I think it's great. Sherlock Jr. is great. Those are his his all timers. And Cameraman, I don't know, number four or five. It's it's okay. It's a solid Keaton hit or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, as a play, as for its place in the collection, I understand that they're trying to do this whole, like, this was an important point in his career and everything, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of cool. It's just as the only Buster Keaton, uh, movie here, uh, in the collection, uh, I'm just not, not that into it, you know, it's mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, um, it's, it's not too bad. Appealing enough. Now, yeah, one hour and 50 minutes into this podcast, we are going to get into the one that we have the most. Yeah, it was supposed to be, and then I could not get off talking about, like, just composes We were supposed to, one hour and 50 minutes into this podcast. No, no, we can't. No, we will do that one day, but, like, as years from now, we'll make a sequel to that episode. I think has been... Has no, the, he's this been, episode is uh, the best movie that, of the lot that we covered. I think, I think that you agree, time, probably. Or a few of his movies maybe. have looked super interesting. And the one that we have this most to talk about is what we saved really for this. See Demon We've Lover, got your pick this week. Um, which is about like, introduce us to it. I don't know, like an AI you can fuck or something. I don't know. Looks pretty cool. Um, but this thing was. Yeah, well, no, I think like you get to fuck it. I don't know if you get to fuck it in her. I haven't seen her. Feels like it'd be a big part of it. I don't know. Whatever. Sure. Well, isn't she a hologram in 2049? It's been a while. Yo, that's awesome. I do remember that now, but that's crazy. That's not really... I mean, give it everything we've watched. I don't think we can say that that's too out there. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Because Ryan Gosling's the guy to do that. For once. <laughs> Sorry, I'll take the gun away from your head. I'll take the gun away from your so head and like the cue her. cards that are saying, here's what you're talking about next. So Herbaveth is something that I had avoided as oh, much as possible learning anything about. Okay, so because like I just Blade thought, Runner okay, 2049. Cool, weird, experimental. Why do I know so many of these? It's embarrassing. It is, That's embarrassing. Textual about the nature of art and filmmaking. Yes, but sold. remember, even though we've the, talked yeah, a little bit before, it? how I think making a movie about there's making like the scene where a she bit of a puts herself a over of, another woman kind of rely so on it as a crutch. It really works in That's, this case for it, it, a lot of reasons, and I think a, that fundamentally it's just movie. such an intelligent uh, one day and mature w- and adult dissection 
of what it means. No, I to just mean thematically. Like be a creative I, oh, I have so many just thoughts about that movie and the way that it's become with like people this, that you don't really like, uh, and about, all like, of the uncomfortable like, scenarios those clips that unfold like, from. It's hard yeah, not having a uh, girlfriend when you don't have a girlfriend. Like shows Ryan Gosling like crying that I'm good at and know how to do and care about all of it. But it's no, that's the movie to do that. I mean, I do know why. There's too much of stuff. The weird little odds. Yeah, let's stay on topic, Sean. Stop making me talk about Blade Runner 2049 and I was thinking about how uncomfortable so many aspects of it are, but please, go ahead. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right. Mm hmm Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I... Yeah. We're getting Anthony Lore here. I don't know. I also agree with you that like it is good very i mean i tend to like as a generality movies about making movies not because i have like that like some crazy experience or anything mm. but i definitely i love the buzz of making and, movie. well let's let's get the only thing that i've ever seen that can recapture that dynamics. buzz let's for first me talk about is maggie watching a movie uh, about maggie making a movie um but yeah you know i mean this is this is a really good performance. Zach and Mary make a porno um, is not I think like that a she great, does a great movie or anything like that. Just understated uh, there, there are plenty of movies um, that could lean and on also it as a crutch. doing the incredibly this, difficult role I, I totally of playing agree. a character, playing this a movie character strikes such a in a few scenes. I mean, it's not the being the, the actual production of Le Vampire isn't a massive part of the movie, it, but it's pronounced enough, especially in the scene with while also just being like a relatable story about like isn't it crazy when you like have to manipulating her to act scared, no more. Scared, Especially when it's no, like a temporary this, thing where you're like, like the, I'm only the way be that she's able at this McDonald's to for six months. So again, yeah, you know, do the my day job do the actor, car, which is something you know, Maggie, the character, as although it wasn't a day job, professional person worked, who's uh, doing these things, who has to kind of but elucidate these dynamics, um, displaying to the audience her discomfort while at once playing it so that the characters within the scene won't necessarily notice her discomfort. But it's an incredibly that interesting really captures that like you have to be like friends with them and maybe you like get along with one or two co-workers oh for sure them. absolutely you know at the end of the day you're just killing time on one another so that you can get your work done i the twin peaks thing mm -hmm. okay okay my bad Wait, not remember what what's going on huh I, you don't need to explain it. 
Oh, good. Great performance. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. The standards are incredibly arbitrary. And that's the way we like it. Wait, not to mm-hmm. not to fucking Kiberia? Julieta fucking whatever? Yeah. I think she benefits a little bit of Kuleshov affecting there a little bit, but I, you know I what? Mean, here's, I, I do agree. I mean, we really, well, here's, here's actually the thing I, though. I know I just, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, shut up. I'm not doing that. No, we're not. Forget uh, okay. That. So the thing that you're I supposed would say to, to not remember that, that. Not that's not it's supposed not to be the thing you're supposed to remember, but I don't think she necessarily <laughs> elevates the movie thing. by her performance. If you're uh, because her not an avid podcast listener, movie, you know, then it's like saying know, that no, then how good the hamburger patty of this hamburger is elevates the hamburger. What I haven't done in a while is the Trent coin. And, where I where I give uh, a coin to the greatest performance and or person doing a job in a movie. It could I be, guess, I, yeah, I, but I, I don't think the movie once, would. I don't think right? the I give to the composer of a score. What? Yes, it has to be one. But person the most mid actor so well that they elevate the Jesus. movie a significant margin, and I think it's. I, I'm not gonna. I really hyped this up way too much. I'm not going to give a Trent coin this week. And part I think of that it that's kind of I... insane. <laughs> but Kabiria wouldn't be because made I, without because a great Because I think Kabiria is the best. I think it's Kabiria all based around her performance from the ground uh, up. I think she's certainly awesome. Okay, I think the fair. Fine, is really good. fine. Give her the fucking Trent well, coin. You know what? Screw it. Screw it. I but I'll, I'll give it to Kabiria. Well, Trent coin. Here's the sound effect. No, no, shut yeah, up, shut up. The sound effect. Oh, come on. The sound effect hasn't been acute. All right, fine. Yeah, you you know what? It. You can talk me out of it. Go. Glad to be of service. Chung. Sure. Who's the most mid like actor you can think of? Imagine them in that role. This movie would suck hard. Like, Kabiria would suck hard. If, like, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, who's an actor? James Caan. I don't think James Caan really? is a great actor. Wow. I have James Caan on a poster. I, I I think James Caan's, like, fine. I think he's... <laughs> I, that was, I mean, pretty close to mid. I'm not saying the most mid. I just looked up and saw the Godfather poster on my wall. Well, but like mm. he is, a, he's in the tier of mid actors for me. If James Caan was playing Kabiria, I'd be like, oh, sheesh, this movie's like, it certainly could. It was called Sweet Charity. <laughs> I mean, but not being like. <laughs> and that goes to. Uh, Julieta Messina. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So the only reason I debated not giving a trend coin at all no, before I was <laughs> railroaded into doing so by you is that uh, 
I think that, uh, oh my gosh, Maggie Chung is giving a great performance that also, I mean, this is a well-directed, you know, well-written, blah, 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 well-observed movie. I think that I I have a hard time being like, I, I think she also gives one of the best performances that we've seen in the collection so far. I actually, I, yeah, I think that in the, the only times I don't like her actually was exactly what you were saying, which is in the char- the scenes where she's being the character, but also trying to show fear. I think she's cruising by a little bit. I think that she's really powerfully realized here mm. it, doing kind of the same thing that Kabiria does. And that's why I really like conflated the two and debated about not giving it out and all that was because she gives the performance of a woman who is capable, but also, you know, she's not, she's happy. <laughs> like she's like a normal person, you know, they don't try to like infantilize her. They don't make her into a concept. They don't make her, uh, stupid they don't make her like this brilliant Mm. person who goes above and beyond any the norms of human she's it is so hard to play like a normal person especially in this movie with a lot of people who i would not consider like normal by which i mean like people on a film set (laughs) people on a film set don't tend to be normal like you got this director who's like you know chain smoking and going crazy and talking about like uh, oh yes, I would like you to be super graceful. That was Count, Count Dracula in the studio today. Uh, no, I like he's a guy who very much feels like he is uh, losing his mind while also trying to be artistically brilliant in everything he says, and it you know kind of sucks and everything. I think that it rules that she chose to be play this character as normal person while also giving such characterization. She's still specific. She's still like an actress who, you know, wants to make it. She really cares about the craft, but she d- isn't trying to go like full method. She's also not like a bland face. She's intelligent, but also like you like that's the that's the hallmark of a good performance is that you can say good you know good characterization but also characterization of like what she's the opposite of you know like it's it rules and i yeah re- i really so, connect with her performance i think i, I, love I started the, the, her no absolutely like, absolutely i situation adapting to this new job not understanding this other culture i i have a i don't know if it's I doubt that it's like a disorder or anything, but I am really bad with accents. I cannot understand people with that's accents. That's so funny. Well. The one and that's, I mean, really it's me. a very I, good performance. A it's an excellent performance. Um, I don't know if I would go types. so far. And, uh, I really, I agree that it's a very difficult role. The, though, there's a lot of moments of where she doesn't, kind of it feels like she doesn't like know whether the other person misunderstands because they're all speaking like their second um, language. She's speaking but, in English. They're all speaking in English to her. Yeah, the, the specifics I want to focus on. And even though they want to speak in French, where I think her interacting like really shines very much through plays like the into core like, of the movie is are, do you understand what I'm saying? Where do you not like what I'm saying? Or navigate the scenario? Are you like thinking I'm saying something that I'm not? My favorite one is she plays into that very well. She has this subtlety 
this person like Zoe, so much nuance to like she's the very kind of like light acquaintances with on the set. The they seem to get along fine. You know, Zoe's kind of layers of her around and uh, worry Zoe about admits what the other person thinks someone of else them. that she knows and that she has a crush on I Maggie. I, I think this and is, this evil, this awful, terrible woman decides to immediately go to Maggie to tattle about it to be like, so do you like girls? I'm sorry, I went. You know what's? Have you ever thought about it? And then Maggie has to do the thing of like highlight how much. I barely know this. I think person. her performance is and I amazing. Need I actually just, just disagree with you on this one tiny point. Until the like, scenario I mean, she's okay is, as like an actor playing an actor, playing a character. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that they're just friends. It was a little bit confusing to me, but you know, let's just say friends to to make sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The suit, yeah. Very strange. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, very casual, even though it's still extremely weird. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. 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 But I but she's also playing into the like this I mean this woman who I think is that not Zoe's mother or mm. Okay. Okay. Unclear. Sure. Yeah, right. just a yeah, sure. Acquaintance of some kind, right? Uh friend. She right. She starts the conversation by being like, "Hey, you're going to like you I heard that you're going to buy that uh that that suit, right? I might like it." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Okay, that was not what I expected this woman to say." Like and she's like, "I really like she said, like, I really like latex, like rubber and, and stuff. And you're like, and she's not doing, and I, I just put too much spin on the ball mm-hmm. there with my, just my line reading right there. She doesn't say it like that. She says it very matter of fact, like, oh yeah, I, you know, I like latex and rubber, you know, that kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm, that's, that's fun for me or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird to bring up to someone you just met mm-hmm. at least, uh, certainly by our American standards. Right. And I think that Maggie plays like the, like. I don't know if this is abnormal or not very well. Mm -hmm. And then she plays also the moment of like, I don't know if that I was just manipulated into this conversation. If I like, if you were just like, Oh, I said something that's maybe a little embarrassing. Maybe I shouldn't have told you like that. I really like uh, latex. And now I'm supposed to reveal like, well, I like girls, (laughs) you know, like, which is, funny and you know, and one of the guys like calls him out and is like you guys are being really childish or whatever but i actually think this played into something i found interesting which is like it actually feels cute it's like a little cute i think maggie actually does like zoe at least a little i i, I think that she does have some pseudo romantic feelings that she's not 
if not like a, I don't even say like she's not aware of it, but she's not consciously festering or whatever. But she has these romantic feelings that when she's asked about it, she kind of like turns away, not just because she's uh, embarrassed at the fact that she's being asked this very awkward question by this person she just met, but also because she's like, well, I, I guess I, I guess maybe, I guess. Like, I, you know, you go through that thing of, like, I, I have definitely gone through that moment of, like, someone asks you, and you're like, oh, yeah, that would explain my behavior, wouldn't it? That's true. Yeah, I do like that person. <laughs> like, I have been asked that question and had to go through that thought process before, so I, I don't want to try to project anything here, but I think that that's what she goes through. Like, it feels like this just hugely multi-layered performance. We haven't even gotten into the fact that, like, the movie they're remaking is Les Vampires, Les, Les yeah, Vampires or whatever, Les Vampires, the, this very... um. Do we? Important Wait, movie to it? all of cinema. I mean, it's a serial, oh, but yeah. it's a sorry movie in the broadest sense of the word to cinema that's you know affected filmmaking to this day. And you know the the fact that they're remaking it, everyone's kind of like, "Why are you remaking it?" I think that that really adds to this thematic richness, this feeling of like this director and I think the director of this movie are trying to look back into cinema, uh, looking backwards into cinema and being like what am I supposed to be doing? What's the next thing? What am I like? What's artistically powerful about this? And ends up spitting out this like uh, selfish exploration of what making something like that means. That's like this meta thing that he then calls out in the movie, but even would spit on himself for making like it. it, It's this multi-layered thing of you can, see the filmmaker behind the scenes trying to dissect mm-hmm. where movies are headed next and what we should do in contrast to for example tim burton's batman returns which is what a movie they bring up or even police story which is a terrible this what are you d- dissing jackie chan or whatever that's ridiculous but um there we'll have to cover that for the podcast um yeah police story um, we're going to have to, but, uh, but, these are movies that, um, you know, are popular cinema. And it's so like, how would are it, we, I, I as artists supposed to but move would it forward be okay and react if I to that? Address or are we supposed to, of, of what, you what, got what are the next on? steps? And put a pin in that for I now. No, no, put a, put a pin in that. Cause I like what you're about to say, and I don't want to stop it, but I just want to say, yeah, for sure. I just want to briefly offer that. I very much I uh, disagreed I, it's with a, it's my venerable well co-host reading of the scene in the kitchen, beautiful piece and of I, I think that your well that your reading is interesting. It has a lot of group shots. That I disagree with it. Beautifully, I, not you know, not on a factual basis because I think you'd be rarely in, legitimately uh, interested in multiple only ways. Intentionally but my understanding like, of that was not that she disliked that feel very pointed. She didn't intentional that she didn't harbor any moments where Maggie seems like she's getting her kind of laughing it off and what you. She's getting her kind of like um, cuteness she, or she suddenly I saw that as she is like something her, uh, like really her awful and like kind of sinister, but in a very mundane um, every and as a person sort of like way, her agency, where it's I this guess. thing of and, and I am being confronted with this information so stylized, by this person are, who uh, immediately started by making me uncomfortable, and I don't really want to be talking to, and it's. Both of yeah, those I'm taking this to be true, like and I'm I'm understanding that it's like she's this coworker who I have you know, positive feelings like toward as someone who is just like, oh, she's nice to me, she's and, uh, cool, but rules. oh shit, it turns out that our relationship was also 
completely transactional, just like it is with everybody Please else. I and keep that, on talking. It, it's kind I, of I just, this weird I really, thing of is, I like this person. Yeah. You know, Zoe, no, I got a crazy amount of passion for this, and I need to shut to up hate picture. that this new dynamic is kind of messing up the thing we had. But I don't like her enough already to kind of look past that. So oh, it's just goodness, kind of go. this permanent damper on their relationship, and mm-hmm. it it's destructive to Zoe as well because this multiple times we hear people talking about Zoe and kind of mm-hmm. using her as like a. a bludgeon against maggie to be like hey don't do drugs don't be like her or you know to to like kind of the lady in the kitchen to kind of get off on using zoe to kind of make maggie uncomfortable for like a power thing and she zoe ultimately it seems like becomes molded to what people expected of her when she falls back into drug use or maybe she was you know using drugs the whole time and we don't know how much of the things Mm, we were saying were true but it's just that that subtlety of and that focus and eye for detail of these incredibly beautiful small yeah adult mature character Mm. interactions like that's that's such a big part of why i think this movie is really great but i just again just want to briefly give the other side of the rashomon flashback here that there's a lot that you can say about this movie but please continue Yeah, for sure. I think that's kind sure. of uh, a skeleton key to a lot of the movie. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, I just also wanted to say I I think that uh, friend of the podcast. I think you know, maybe I, I could also you know maybe she likes of the scene. Zoe, right? The great scene. Zoe. Okay, she's like, on we're spending some time on it, but I think it is a, a pivotal pivotal scene he's because up, he's a hack. You're but you're very it. much it's introduced to this world this like they're making this film and uh maggie is this outsider right like she doesn't know what she's uh she she doesn't know where to go people could ever have she's always being um i'm only bad at presidential impressions i have a very specific she also kind of low-key suspects that people misunderstood why she's being or she doesn't understand hey 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 in the words of suspects that she's in the words of denzel curry donald trump like a little bit there's all these like levels to why she's here and why she 
whatever. I like and Denzel Curry. The He's of, one of my favorite contemporary uh, and, rappers. And, and, but that's, at the end of the day, her first that line is, is crazy. Of shooting, of shooting right? She like, uh, makes one friend. It's like, oh, this? great. This is going to be the friend. I, and that friend is Zoe. And yeah. Zoe, I mean, Zoe, like, low-key, Zoe seems awesome. Like, I don't, like... Zoe just seems like a cool person. I don't know if she does drugs. Like, I don't know if she does drugs. I'm talking like she's a real person. Maybe she does drugs. I'm, I'm told she likes her personal life maybe a little bit too much. Maggie no, Chunking I'm Express. Kidding. I'm not going to do the, the Trump Jeffrey Epstein joke. Right? Not bad. Sean! <laughs> I don't think it's worth doing. Like, let's see if it's a joke impression? there. It's a pun. I don't think we need to expound terrible on it. Donald Trump. Yeah, really funny. That's you, Sean. You're really bad at impressions. Who knew, right? <laughs> no, but only the president. <laughs> no, is that like? The, is that the Sonic Donald Youth song? Duck? Sonic Youth and Lush nail, are the like two. Like so uh, a helicopter there. passing by mm. at ten miles per hour. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I think I don't remember. Oh, Zoe just seems cool. And I think that what mm. rules about it is that every time it's every very time she gets a gra- I'm telling you, every time Maggie gets a grasp on reality, the filmmaking goes into like overdrive. It becomes like it, I mean, it reminded me of Chunking Express because we walked. It, it becomes it fan- fantastical suddenly, like, for that brief moment. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right, that's that Photoshop's going up so. on our Twitter. That's interesting because no, it might see, maybe it will. As much maybe as we both I will, like this movie, I think we get very different impressions from it because I thought that, that was just kind of this this <laughs> ultimate. Yeah, nope. maybe it's good. Good bit. No, Ma- Maggie, Ch- no, like when they're on the bike and they're driving around and the colors are going by so fast and they play like this nice tune. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, we I, saw I her in a Wuxia like movie. A, that looked fucking awesome, by the way. I didn't like recognize it, but I want to see it. But I, I just meant maybe? that there was this sense no, 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 she, to me in that scene of just... Maybe it's Lush then? Yeah, I don't know who Lush is. It, I know who it, it was kind of this is. culmination of her but working Sonic, on this set, this, desperately that, trying well, to that's negotiate. That's another example. They go into you know, like these uh, editing to, overdrive, to do her job, like to be an actor, to finally see this creative out, like, vision that she, she doesn't really understand because no one really understands because it sucks. And it's this that whole scene was like very uncomfortable and strange and weird. Like you get to peep in on this this woman who's naked and having incredibly personal conversation it's with somebody pouring rain you she's have on the, the same roof and she throws it off the edge it's like no guilt it, it's that so maggie is feeling in that scene and it's, it's i mean that it becomes fantastical it becomes fun it's like it becomes like a well. like can i briefly a, talk about the suit and how it relates to the director because you know? i think that's and also I don't, a very big part of the, I don't the symbolic even... language of this movie sure yeah I said maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know what like. I don't want. I don't watch Maggie Chung movies. I don't know what she actually acts in. They they joke. They say like, oh, did you work with John Woo? So I assume that there's something in that like vein or whatever. So I, maybe she doesn't act in those. Right. right her fidgeting. Hmm. Right. 
Right, because she truly thinks that nobody is watching. So the first thing we hear about this director, the first time he gets Maggie in the same room with him, is he's talking about, I needed you specifically for this role. And he's talking about, I, I actually forget if the scene where they're trying right. on the suit is, is before the director or the meeting, but whatever. But the, that whole meeting with him has a few key things there. Like we have the, the scene that he's showing of Le Vampire yeah, is when yes, let me, let me Irma just leave gets you with, captured I, I think that, and that scene you know, is kidnapped by somebody, like, which is kind of this, uh, going okay, into that place. in the universe of movie, why is he showing her this? That's things. kind of creepy. One is, and also, we're seeing well, kind of play out in front of us the whole thing of her, of him, of her being ensnared by this production and this director. He was her hunting for her, he has this weird fixation with her, right? and the suit is kind of this thing you're like not control because it shouldn't move stuff in a hotel room. Sexual. You know what I mean? Like sexual you shouldn't like, like I fiddled object. around like with and also it's exactly like the, the that's such an intimate bonded. detail. And the fact she's that being of course bonded, she's, she's being naked. You know, like all that so is it's, it's so but that's also engaging. a thing. Like, that's all I wanted to say. I just before so that we can leave that scene completely behind if we have to turned into asserting your own sexual identity. You can be liberatory and she has kind of that as well. But it's this all of the awkwardness and strangeness and multifaceted aspects of this movie are kind of contained mm. within the suit. Um, and, and the direct... Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's before you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that's part of the dynamic. But I think that even though di- the director is, I mean, kind of self-effacingly ridiculous and his vision isn't really coming together and everyone is mm-hmm. like, every scene with everyone a- and him is like blatantly trying to appease him. Like, okay, we're trying to work with right. you. We're trying to find your vision, but you're making us do all these weird things. And then, you know, we kind of try and meet you halfway. And then we do something and you say, oh, it's shit. It sucks. Fuck this. Like, come on. We worked hard to try and meet you halfway here. Yeah. It was, I mean, I don't know. I, I would I would give watching that a try. I, I, I... I love that, especially because this could so easily turn into a, a red shoes type story. I do get, like I did get what he was saying that it like didn't really thing. have like a vision. Uh, Black though, Swan very much does that, and it's like immediately image, like yeah. it's sexual, right? It's like, oh, I'm gonna get you to touch yourself because I'm the dominant person in this relationship, right. and so that's what uh, that's what cre- dominant creatives do is make you go to like sexual places. Perfect Blue is also a perfect example of that, and those are good movies, but this movie doesn't do that it just happens Mm. to also be about a woman walking around in like fetish wear
Mm-hmm. You get what he's saying. Okay, we we both saw the footage that they saw. It sucked, right? right? You hope that it proves them wrong. I I, I look. Wrong. I don't. I know that. <laughs> sure. I actually like. It was funny because I, I I don't know what. Right. Well, it's. I think it's kind of a yes. weird awkward mix I, I love that that he's got silent that line it's just images about images where silent era cinematography you and i love that line because static images of like a theater it's staged like a play like, yeah, here's totally the true. stage um, here are I, the actors moving within I, it i only wanted to mention we'll this and highlight i want you to get generally we'll have talking more about room the space that is clearly defined clearly delineated symmetrical but i only mentioned this because yeah, I watched I mean, not that symmetrical, footage, but and my immediate reaction was, very properly. oh, that, that Modern sucks. cinematography I really hope is they, uh, a lot more organic. Like, like, we'll before he, and before he said it, like, I was watching it and being things. like, and oh, the footage, that, that take doesn't look like it comes together very well. In this kind oh, that, of weird you know, in place you know, that acting of, could have been a little better. There were, like, like I wasn't... It, it I wasn't, wasn't trying filmed to sit there like being a like, oh, I, play, how would I direct this? Like I was just immediately like, place. this kind of looks bad. Kind of and if they're going to cut to the director angles, and he's going to be like, but it still had great, same great success. Then I hope that they then the undo that director. Like you know what I mean? Like, I hope the, that that like director, the new in a way that, I don't know. Like, yeah. the, like my, without thinking, with, without thinking about it, I don't know what it is in watching that footage, but I immediately thought, Oh, that's kind of bad. <laughs> like, it's clearly not a vision. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like broad, yeah. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say a couple things here. Um, shout out to my man Fritz Long, who mastered Buster Keaton. Master this, yeah. He was just completely cracked at silent filmmaking and what we now think of as more modern filmmaking because he was just the best. Yeah, but I actually don't really like. I've seen. I think Fury is the one about the the guy in the court that was supposed to be a black guy. I saw that one a while ago in film school before I really came into liking Fritz Lang, but I didn't remember being super impressed by it. Mm-hmm. It's his like thirties si- or late twenties yeah. silent ones are, I think oh, really um, pops off for me. Metropolis. You nailed the, it. The yeah. That, I mean, I'm sure there's other things or whatever, but that is, yeah, that seems mm-hmm. like a perfectly reasonable explanation, especially because replaying it in my mind that's exactly uh, how it feels. It's like it's too intimate if for how that footage um, quote stupid it is. You know, like you f- silent film like, being oh, stupid that in that it's like grandiose, um, like it's gesturing kind of did and everything. Especially when he, yeah, especially when he talks about like, oh, this actress she's doing so much naturalism. It's you know, it's black and white, very much about static images, but also like more those scenes. You're like, that's the exact thing. If you watch it, you'll know why it's a Sean movie. It's just kind of a lot of cool. Not disconnected images, but images that are sort of 
on theme together, but sure. you know, it's experimental. It's not a narrative thing. And I think that the idea was that the way that the movie was being put together doesn't really work for a narrative feature. I haven't watched any of Fritz Long's talkies but regarding except for M, the so director. Know, we'll the last thing I'll say is that, yeah, I do think that he's supposed to be sympathetic and he's, but he's supposed to be sort of misguided in, in that he's like the old guard of French cinema that are, that's kind of coming under criticism here, but sure, sure. Yup. Yup. I would probably say that. And, but I, it's not just the old, I think it's all of French cinema uh, and, and also all of criticism like, to French cinema. Towards. That's sure. kind of coming yeah, under if you fire just take here those because two at face value, then one sure, of the yeah, most illustrative it. scenes for the whole premise of this movie is when she's talking to that like film critic or interviewer or whatever. And I mean, Every part of the movie is just held in microcosm there because we have this, we have Maggie Chung being kind of held hostage, having these things like forced upon her, people being, you know, this person being very patronizing to her, being, you know, probably a little bit more than a little bit racist by being like, hey, this uh, director is mm -hmm. from Hong Kong. You've probably been in his movies, right? Like, no, I, it's not, it's, doesn't like, work like that, but he's, and, you know, he's talking at her. We have the thing of, like, men being, you know, shitty to her. We have the Man, film industry being shitty to her. We have people talking past each other. But he's also, like, offering these criticisms of contemporary and classical French cinema, but in this very, like, dumb, weird way. The old Godard. You can, you right. might almost say. Yep, that was. <laughs> he does. He. I mean, you know what he's saying. It's like a mistranslation, but he does. It does come dangerously close to him being like one of my favorite directors is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's supposed to be that stupid. I think he's supposed... My interpretation of that guy is that I think he's... Yeah, I think he's like an intellectual. He, he's an intellectual who is like self-hating. I think that that's kind of the main thing here is that he has this guilt. Yeah. Not how that works. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially, especially classical, I think, though. I think he's really highlighting, like, those guys are done. We are no longer in the Truffaut-Godard business. That's French cinema's legacy is always going to be these guys making personal projects about personal matters and they're fools for thinking that that would continue to appease audiences as opposed to, as they say, the real directors like Schwarzenegger. Who did direct and... it? <laughs> I, he, yeah, I don't know. I think that it almost I hope he's not that stupid what? because I actually think that that he, he he proposes some interesting points and I think wait, that wait, hold on. basically before we make fun like of his name make who, sure to look up that he's a white I, guy and yeah. we can make fun of it 
Right. Okay, thank God. Because I don't want to be like, Willard, yeah, what the fuck like is this? Someone, and it's like a traditional Thai like, name. Uh, it's just like I the Jones of Thailand, and we're just fucking shitting people counted okay, down thank the God. top five worst best movies. Because my girlfriend wanted me to watch it and thought that we would like it. I ended up not liking it because uh, these people were not very smart. They were, were wrote for BuzzFeed. Anyway, one of them put Howard the Duck on there. And, you know, they show, like, the clips from these movies with, like, Howard the Duck. Nine, you know 1980 something and then they put like directed by so and so and the entire time he was talking about it as a george lucas project and it said director george lucas next to the clip and he kept on saying like this is an argument against the auteur theory uh howard the duck wasn't directed by george yeah. lucas it drives me insane that people think that i have no idea it wasn't george lucas howard howard the duck was a uh, produced by George Lucas, but it was not directed by. Oh my gosh, you're kidding me! It was directed by Willard Hyuk. I think he was just referring to filmmakers Hoyt. rather than directors. H U Y C K. Oh, oh, he certainly is. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> sure sure <laughs> right and also she's right, right. she's it's the muhammad yeah she, exactly whatever, she's being professional yeah. she's like defending no, the I, integrity I and honor um, of the director no it's, it's very it's that's the project very well known she's working that this is like, like it's not necessary she doesn't necessarily like need to believe it that strongly and i didn't get the impression any of that movie that she really had very too much of a dog in, in the fight she was just like this Listen, I, this is my job. This is what I have to do. And yet that. another that annoyance discredited for me trying to get they in, were saying about in like, my way oh, of just like, like a good bad fucking movie. Do it, yeah, bad doing my job. Like, enjoy for its ironic value or whatever. I was like, no, you just suck. You're, you're a bad person and I hate you. In the very same way, I hope that that's just a mistranslation. I hope that it's just the subtitles getting something wrong and saying like, oh, like great directors like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He also names John Woo. He says like John Woo, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Van Damme. Like he's like says that as like in one breath. I don't know. I know. I hope so, but I think that it, but if it doesn't, then that kind of ruins that whole character for me. Cause I really wanted him to no, be I, and like I this think mouthpiece for the director sort of a populist idea, I don't especially in contrast to, to Maggie defending proxy, it exactly, because she's but I know, think not that a jerk Asias, she doesn't completely like, understand he's, it. He's she's very much is professional. He's self-effacing, I think a little bit. I think it makes sense. I, it also makes it make even more sense that um, the director has a fascination, right. like, you know, basically explicitly sexual with Maggie Chung. Probably not a coincidence that uh, Asias and Maggie Chung were briefly married a few years later. Right. So that's, eh. I was wondering about that. If you're doing a normal thing. Yeah. Doing my job. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like that scene a lot. Uh, honestly until that moment because to me that mm-hmm. I, I, I and whatever i like the rest of the scene i'm sure if like i just didn't hear it or if i read it correctly never or whatever, and will certainly never be discussed but honestly that is the first time when i'm like oh the director feels like he's or the writer the no, director the screen right the yeah. screenplay i don't know why you itself. enunciated it that. feels like, like it's it taking sides here and saying like he's an idiot saying. you know what i mean like 
cinema is not this John Woo Schwarzenegger garbage. And clearly we should be advocating for Godard, Truffaut type projects, you know? Yo. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Fair enough. You know, he's working on... He wor- He made a new miniseries on HBO that you can now watch now. That's the Asias. That's Asias working on it's, another... It's, it's an in, Ir- Irma I mean, It's a... I will... I'm going to give it a chance. Oh, like the awful about, toad I don't man. watch television. And if I it's watch just television, the most explicitly racist in the entire thing. Be named before this podcast <laughs> because we're not. No, definitely not right now at all. We're not doing it. That, it builds know? up the whole time. Cause you're like, um, he keeps questioning like, okay, why the, no, why this like exactly Chinese not. woman? Definitely is, not happening. Is, yeah. In this moment. No. Um, uh, no, I, aside, I, I'll definitely check that out because this was just so good. This is going to be uh, honestly. Yeah, there's justification. This is one of the rare like. This might become one of my favorite movies. Like, let's put this down in like the Anthony. It's a bigger Warburg conversation says, than we're ready something for. Something that I want to rewatch. I want to dissect it. I want to watch it again for its fun moments. I want to just have a good time. And I'm and we have so much other. Did you see how much Asias is in the collection? We got plenty more to go, baby. We could like cruise on this. I'm gonna add this and uh, you know to to my watch the, all of those to our watch list, and we'll, we'll see if we can catch up to all a bunch of those. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know if I watch the Irma right. show. Um, overall, this anyway. is just yeah, yeah, very unique. Gross. One of the probably one of the we we haven't even talked about uh, deflated Seymour Hoffman, <laughs> the other director Along who with, comes in. I mean, in a very different way. Nights of <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, let's let let's yeah, and he's not even. I mean, start stacking them up whatever, against each other. What do we whatever. got? But he's not even that. Expl- he's basically just like can't work with this Chinese actor. Let's fuck each other. <laughs> sure. <laughs> And he tries to def- and he tries to defend it or it seems like defend himself by saying like oh Irma Vett, she uh-huh. she embodies like France's underground which is it's I mean there's the we can't get into like race casting in cinema or whatever but like I think that there's yes yes I think that there's some interesting things ways in which some people might be like oh well that makes sense if you're that's your reading of the character or whatever but I think that the way that the movie eases in us into it is very clearly like, no, he started with, I don't want this person from China in our movie and then came to the conclusion. Oh, it's probably because the character mm-hmm. like, uh, is supposed to be French. So we'll, we'll go with that. You know? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, this, this rules rules. Uh, true i i actually agree yeah let's get into our rankings this week mm-hmm. we've uh speaking of things adults do let's just rank these movies real quick 
<laughs> okay, so <laughs> we're gonna move on somehow. <laughs> Nevertheless, we persisted. <laughs> All right, out of 93 uh Criterion Collection entries, um I we're I'm I'm we're ranking mm. these movies and uh ooh, this was this was a good week I I think overall, but I've actually got two on the very low end oh. and two on the very high end. 81 out of 93, I got the sh- and the ship yeah. sails on, right above Summertime and right below The Hero. I think this is one of those movies where I, I, I can get behind it almost and I just can't. <laughs> it works fine and I just let's just keep it there. And summertime actually is in that same vein where it's like beautiful imagery. What is going on? Okay. <laughs> like, who cares? Lower than I expected to put it, but I try I thought over this a lot, and I think that it's really just a sign of how good these movies are, really. Number 65, I put the cameraman right above Armageddon, right below Sid and Nancy. I couldn't put it above Sid and Nancy. I kind of, I thought it was really, really funny. And that is it. Whereas I was like, there's complexity to like Sid and Nancy and above that's Miller's Crossing and the Velvet Underground's above that. And then even then, even the, the lesser ones like Oliver Twist right above that, it's got Dickens great writing. Like I can't put it past that. It's very, very entertaining and very funny in moments uh but you know i'm a little disappointed buster didn't make make it higher uh because this is the only representation he's gonna get now we get real high up there number 20 knights of kabiria right below nashville right above the killer which i know you have way higher than i do knights I'm of kabiria uh because just maybe yeah, i was a little bit too beautiful quick putting some of these so on here but well you know I, yeah. Number f- oh, sorry. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you of course. It's Ridiculous. Uh, so cameraman it's going a and the ship sails on are very right close above, together I just moved They're both above, pretty low. Maybe I was I'm a little bit above unfair, Ghost Dog. but I, I don't it's know. Right, um, it's cameraman is at 90 for me. Of that. Right it's above the Lady Eve seal, right and just Ghost below Dog. I had it below movie we not only Ghost Dog, but Cure. But another week. It's actually right next to In the Ship Sails On. I I swear I didn't do that on purpose. But, you know, it's funny, it's cute, it's appealing. I don't know, these things don't really stick with me. And The Ship Sails On, like I said, it just didn't really have the juice. But also, while also being like I didn't fully get it. I felt like there were things I was supposed to get that I didn't have with each other in the workplace. And also being you know, a bunch of stuff that I wish I, really I could like it more. It's just rocks, below like, the Fisher King. A uh, movie about another uh, movie that no, nah, I like that movie about as much. So that's my so ranking. Of Kabiria, of that really number twelve. I think is that I really kind of undersold how like, torn I was. Ghost Dog, Ice Storm, High and Low, that, Robocop, like you know, really climbing the charts here and doing some some great damage. So I want to hear your thoughts here too. Yeah, but it's. It was genuinely like really heartrending in kind of a sour way for me, but nope, you I understand that in order to make me feel that way, I needed to really care about it. So <laughs> I am, I'm going to give it the solo treatment. I'm, it's no longer the solo line. Mm-hmm. It's the solo and Knights of Kabiria line because they are right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And yet, and nevertheless, he persisted. And nevertheless, Knights of Kabiria, 
is at the same place <laughs> That's crazy. as Solo at number 50. And you know what? I can flip them here and there. Right now, Solo's above it. Sometimes I'll flip it, though. I can, fl- I can flip it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right. That's... Uh-huh. Yeah, so there will be 15 movies. Oh, yeah, well, no, there will really be 30 movies in the middle. And then I went off on yeah. whatever crazy tangent. That'll be No Man's Land. That'll be the dead zone. That'll be the solo zone. It's the solo zone. Now... All right, you know what? That's fine. So Knights of Kiberia is actually uh, just above. No, 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 no. Fishing with cut, I cut. will do that like, right get, get now. Flag um, on the plane. And then that's it. There's a you little bit of egg on my face here. You're, because you can't do that. No, no, like, no, no. I convinced Sean. my again. I'm never wrong. <laughs> no, Sean, Sean. But that's we she, manage Sean, both of us Sean, working Sean, in tandem. Think about this. 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 Though. Think about it. Think about it a little bit. Think about this. Below. It's above. Sean. The wages of fear and just below Hamlet. Think about this. If we. We're less than a hundred movies. I really liked Hamlet. We're going to cover one thousand five hundred movies. I also plus. did not like Hamlet nearly if as much. You as are Beth, going not, you know, to put this movie on this Mr. list. See, here's the thing: in the middle. That means that on average, you're going to put like two movies per hundred movies at no. the exact middle. Okay, well, hold on. Let me There'll move. There'll be oh, thirty fuck, movies that are exactly the middle. I accidentally moved Blood Simple. Sean, a bit oh that, Sean, that's garbage. Hold on a second. Okay, at that's least okay. put like fishing with that's John fine. in the middle there too. Like throw it out. Like come on, commit to the bit. It doesn't count because it's a TV show. Uh, you can't rate you know it alongside okay. him. So it's got to be. Hold on, like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me do that real quick. Uh, it deserves to be one to two spots higher, depending on where I put it back. <laughs> I think I put it back, but it might. I don't know. So Irma Vep. Okay, we're just gonna keep moving that's it up just... here. Above Silence of the Lambs. You know what? You make an interesting point. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'm going to put Irma Vep. Holy cow. Is it above Taste of Cherry? I Uh, think it's just above Taste of Cherry. Just just below below Hamlet. I liked Hamlet, but jeez louise all right whatever i guess i'll just fucking die then (laughs) who fucking gives a shit whatever you can still change it before the end of the episode that's the rules as long as the episode hasn't ended you can still change it that's those are the rules you can you can change it yeah (laughs) yeah oh snap wait this is actually going to become a blood know. simple episode. We're we're going to reevaluate. They're on the level. Blood simple right now. We we have time, right? Wait, how long is this episode? Twenty four hours. Yo, shout out Tyler. <laughs> but 
blood, blood simple. We don't know where it's going. So it's going in no man's land. It's going in the solo lane. <laughs> no, no. Sean, stop. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I don't like those movies very much, but. You know, I respect it. I know how much those mean to you. <laughs> no, I know. No, I understand how much this mean to you. Uh, yeah, okay. That's it. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, tune in. Uh, oh, wait. We got to talk about next you week. You guys are going to love it. Next week is a very special episode that we've already recorded. It's even loopier than this episode. Um, somehow, <laughs> this is an all-timer. All right. Um, we have a special guest coming in next episode. Tyler, our faithful editor, is, who is listening to this episode right now. Shout out to Tyler. <laughs> he's going to be on that episode. We're talking Gilliam movies. We got Brazil coming up next in the, the listing. Sounds good in to the me. Or the spine numbers and so we decided to make a full-on gilliam let's finish off the gilliam movies we haven't covered yet in the collection so we got jabberwocky we got uh uh fear and loathing in las vegas we've got the other one uh adventures of the baron munchausen so if you are interested in any of those movies or even if you're not you still have to listen to the episode because i told you to (laughs) tyler's on the episode and we want him to you know, we want to give him the boost. Tyler's a great uh, guest, and um, I'm going to stop talking because I am just out of things to say. So check those out next week. It's going to be a great episode. I promise you, we've already recorded it. And uh, there's a really good bit in the episode that goes for the entire episode. It spans the whole length of the episode. You're going to enjoy it. Yep. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Check out the description where we have a TikTok and a Twitter. Uh, This episode was edited by Tyler Frazier, so check him out next week when you come and listen to our podcast. (laughs) And, as always, uh, best foreign language film may as well be Flash Entering the Speed Force. Welcome to Always See Everything, the movie podcast where we rank, review, and riff on every single film in the Criterion Collection. I'm Anthony, and this is your co-host. This is my co-host. Dang it. Because the chat reset. That sucks. This is everyone's... I'm everybody's co-host. Okay. But the chat reset, so I missed it. It's C... Call sign C4621. 4621. Call sign Raven. Call sign Raven. Okay. All right. Here we go. Welcome to Always See Everything. Dang it.